They came to pay their respects. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Why do you have to be so cruel? What? Show some respect. Now, they're running for their lives. A biologist in Stockton, California, have released reports focusing on the phenomenon, specifically on that trance-like state. Every shelter is becoming a trap. Are you sure we're going to be all right? Cooper, you got to help me out! And every road out... Don't stop no matter what happens. ...is just another dead end. They're coming right for us! George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Now I want to know your name, pretty baby. Oh, you look like lots of fun. Come round, right, round, baby. Like a record, <laughs> baby. Round, right, round. So it's a little inside baseball for everybody this week, I think. We should let him in on. A little um, backdoor drama. You see, um, uh, Blake and I have a lot coming up in the month of September. So we're doing uh, a double sleepover where Blake is staying over the entire weekend. So we're now... Friday night and a Saturday night. Yeah. (laughs) And our parents are going to be so bored with us uh, by the end here. But what we're doing is we're recording this one on the Friday. And then two weeks from now, that episode, we're recording tomorrow night. So, um, you know, you got to bear with us. We're a little tired. You know, it's a a school night. We, We had a whole day of work here. I'm sipping me tea. So my voice don't... I don't lose my voice. Because I don't lose my voice. I don't lose my voice because I can talk, you know. So I have some of that throat coat. Um, and um, we're here for Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, starring Jay Blake and Dion Baya. Tonight's episode, a Quinn Martin production. <laughs> Tonight's episode, Predator 2. Uh, freaking Predator 2. We're in the summer of sequels. We're. Coming to the end. Yeah. Coming to the close of Summer of Sequels. It is sad, isn't it, how quick it's gone? Although when we think about the first one was Terminator 2, I don't even remember recording that now. I know. Probably because I got drunk and smashed your mom's <laughs> <laughs> cla- uh, you know, plastic co- or glass coffee table. But, um... Oh, yeah. You know. Sleepovers. Yeah. It's hard to keep the, 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 the um... A lot of pent-up energy. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the momentum alive. <laughs> you know... Because we end up, uh, it's it's a great idea at the time, and then you just we get hyper, you know, because we don't see each other that much. So when we have a sleepover, I we know. get hyper. I think about all the stupid shit that me and my friends did at sleepovers that could have been disastrous. Sure, or I've had instances where or people had to go to hospitals. Yeah, or, <laughs> or things that were like the starting the, lineup figure, like the, the infamous starting lineup slingshot, yeah, <laughs> window fiasco where you broke it, then you're laughing at the mother, you know, you're, you're like, I'm not laughing, I'm nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Just thinking about all the stupid stuff that happened at sleepovers. Yeah. I almost had a concussion at a sleepover. Fell out of a tree. There was the sleepover that we had when we watched Dirty Dancing. 
and we for tried, the podcast. And we tried to do the lift. <laughs> we tried to do the lift, yeah, but we did it in my... <laughs> that would breathe, breathe, Blake. Yeah. Arms up. Yeah, remember, breathe through your nose if you're, if you're joking. We tried to do the lift, but then we did the lift in, my, in, the, in, the, basement. in the basement, and it was a, it's a low ceiling, and, stuck. and it has the stucco... <laughs> So Blake just threw me up, and it was just like he did it. He caught me, and I was like, you know, um, what's the song? No, not not that one, but I forget what what song it is. Hair, the time of my but life. But what's the one when they don't they? Is that that's that one? That's the one. That's, but is that the one when they're in the water? I think no, no, that's a different song. During, yeah, during the rehearsal. The rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. So so he got me up, and he just <laughs> right on the stucco, scraped the back. Yeah, and then the blood was you couldn't get it off the white, and then it kind of got on the carpet, and my parents were yeah. Yeah, <laughs> when's this gonna end? When's this gonna end? I had a um. This kind of relates to tonight's movie, where um, around 1990-ish, my friend uh, who I'm always bringing up, my friend Martin, we got we were into uh, we got into a James Bond kick, so we were watching James Bond like it's nobody's business, and then we were going outside. Hey, let's play James Bond, you know? You know, uh, Martin's James Bond. I'm like Ricky Joe or something. You know? I was Johnny <laughs> Bond. Money penny. Yeah, you know, I never got to play. <laughs> You know, for playing MacGyver, my favorite guy I wasn't MacGyver. I was like, you know, Jack Dalton. So we're, we're playing spies, or whatever. And his brother was taking their dad's. Um, uh, it wasn't a minivan. It was more of a like a work van. And we jump in the back in the bumper, and we're like, yeah, you know. And he starts taking off, and we're holding on. And then, of course, Martin jumps right off because he's near the sidewalk side. I hold on because I don't know what to do. It's fifth <laughs> yeah, grade. I'm like, holy panic. shit, yeah. So he's going. He takes a turn. I fall right off, and I ended up um, chipping my kneecap. But I, I get up, I'm limping, you know, like you could see a bit of the thing. And then like I go into the kid's house and he's a kid who he has, he, they have no first aid kit. You know, he's like, right. And then he finds this old like cookie tin with, with everything is gone yellow. <laughs> so it took me a while to get home, but then I still have that scar on my damn knee from that. But it's like one of those times where you just, you know, you're, and then I don't even think the parents knew about it until I got home. They're like, damn, what are you doing? <laughs> you <know? laughs> Jesus. So. Ah, oh, good times. Yeah. Good times, great oldies. Um, but circa 1990, when this movie came out, this is um, Predator. So the, we we were alluding to that we're thinking this might be a controversial episode for people because uh, Blake and I seem to be the only two people that we know, right? Am I? I'm not um, uh, uh, presupposing here, right? That that we're the only two people that we know that like this movie. I would imagine. There's more. I don't. I'm gonna imagine there's more out we there in the, list, in the listening audience. Yeah. But in terms of in our personal life, yeah, I think we might be. You know, nobody liked. My we dad know. never liked it. Predator Two, we like. We discovered, which I never knew, that most people don't like RoboCop Two. Yeah, yeah. When we like that one. <laughs> yeah, people don't like RoboCop. We're too. big fans of Last Action Hero. People don't. People hate Last Action Hero, so much so that people get into like fights about it. Which I don't uh, completely understand, but uh, I will have to admit, though, I don't think I've seen this movie since the early '90s. Yeah, um, like I don't think we ever watched it. No, I don't. Think Although you, you gave me a poster, you gave me two posters one one time, and they're and they're not only are they they're aren't they the the awesome. Um, they're the marquee posters, right? Yeah, like the two sided. Yeah, yeah that the, they're supposed to be lit. Yeah, uh, I still have. I forgot I had those. Yeah, where did I get those? I don't know. Uh, I think you gave me two of them. Maybe I think I gave, one, I gave one to maybe Dave. The, Hast- the brother of the Brothers Hastings? Yeah, and then I kept one. Um, it's I, him on the, it's on, on, on the building. The Eastern, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's supposed to be the Chrysler building. Yeah, yeah, that, that holding the, that 
that really iconic shot from Predator Two of him on the uh, the gar what, not the gargoyle. What is it? It's like the eagle or whatever they call those. Whatever that thing. Things. Um, and uh, it's it's for me. It's so iconic, and it's like when this movie came out. Uh, I saw this in the theater. Uh, you know, I was I was balls deep into reading comics at the time, and. Uh, Dark Horse had put out a whole series of Predator comics that uh, me and my friends were reading. And, uh, you know, I was getting into James Bond. They had, they had James Bond comic books, too, which were maybe reprints of older ones that were, like, black and white. Uh, they were doing, like, you know, Predator. Then they had, like, remember the Predator versus, like, Robocop? Or, yeah. or, or, or they had Alien versus Predator. And they had later. A, I don't remember the year. I had it, but I don't remember. I got it. I definitely got it post-Predator 2, but I don't remember when it came out was Batman versus Predator. Yeah, yeah. For a while there, everybody was versus Predator. Everybody was versus Predator. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I, fr- I, I see, I don't want to state the... the Mickey Mouse versus yeah, Predator. Yeah, freaking Yabba Dabba freaking Char- Jackie Chan, Charlie Chan. <laughs> uh, Toby Wong. Toby Wong, and fucking I got Madonna's big... <laughs> so, shit. Predator's big spear and one... Coming out here and out the other. I don't under... I don't remember what the lineage is because I remember going there and I'm like, Jesus, he's fighting RoboCop. It's like, that's cool, you know, because RoboCop 2, I liked RoboCop 2 and then he's fighting aliens and and it it really took a, a whole, slap, that became like a sub-sub-genre of alien and predators fighting various people. Because I feel like, I don't know, didn't maybe the alien fight like RoboCop or I, I feel like other there's been other team-ups, but... When this, when the Predator comic came out, specifically the uh, Concrete Jungle from '89, like I remember reading those four issues, and it was I was you know you, you, then we were drawing too, so you you sit down and you draw the you know all the gory, bloody, juicy details and all that, and uh, this also was a big time uh, right around here. Uh, Steven Seagal's Mark for Death came out, which was also Jamaican voodoo. You know what I mean? Voodoo posses and stuff. Yeah, for some reason. In some early nineties. For some reason, early, voodoo Jamaican posses were gangs were a big deal in the nineties. Yeah, because in the late eighties, if you go back to our inaugural Punisher episode, we talk about how, you know, in the late eighties it was like Japan, like Black yeah. Rain, or um, yeah, which you end up seeing in the Kill Bill movies. You have like you know Year of the Dragon. Punisher, like the the Eastern, you know, with the red, you know, the reds and all that. That was big. And then what was the uh, into the nineties? It became like the the voodoo posse. What's the, the Michael Douglas movie? Black Rain. Oh, well, that's Black Rain with yeah. Andy Garcia and um, what's her face? We just said Cape Capshaw, Kate Capshaw. Yeah. Uh, and then I feel like there's another one as well that that uh, is of that era. Well, but, yeah, because then there was. It was the ninja movies and yeah, it was a big deal. So when you get into the early '90s, you know, uh, I, f- I love me some Mark to Death, you know, freaking Screwface, you know. So it's like <laughs> this here. These were like I remember seeing this in the theater, and I remember like the scene when it cuts to the long shot of the girl having sex, and you come in. I was like, oh my god, there's a there's a girl riding another. I didn't know what that meant. I was like, there's a girl having sex. <laughs> She's in her. doing something. She's doing something, and it's and I'm you know with my dad and all my. I saw it with a bunch of friends, but it's one of these movies where it's like around that era of like RoboCop 2 it's like there was like gory like it's like I felt like you had arrived if you were able to see these movies because they were like you know they were gory as hell they're bloody there's gang violence there's cocaine there's crack there's there's inner city strife there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on in them so um the, you know the graphic level of brutality and it was like just like at 10 so uh I remember going into this with with Huge expectations because I had loved the first movie so much. And then, like, oh, you know, uh, uh, 
Schwarzenegger isn't in it. Now that sucks, but like I love Danny Glover in it. I was completely along for the ride. I love taking him out of the uh, the predator out of the jungles and bring him into the quote unquote you know asphalt jungles you of take the predator out of the jungle, <laughs> but you can't take the jungle out of the predator, <laughs> you know. And they bring him into like the it's the dystopian future of 1997. Wait, in the way seven down the alley years later, yeah. 1997. Uh, so I loved this when this movie came out. I, I was reading the comics. They did a two comic novelis or a comicalization, if that's even a word, an ad, an ad, an adaptation of this, an adaptation of this that I remember reading that was great. Uh, you know, and then, and then you know they had a, a Terminator line, a Terminator uh, comics that was for until Terminator Two came out. So. It's all that stuff we talk about of like feeding the fodder for people who are still interested in in the stuff. It's giving them that, uh, you know, that that uh, popcorn or whatever the you know the the flights of fancy until yeah. the other installments come out. How about yourself? You have any specifics of when this movie came out? Uh, we rented it. I didn't see it at the theater. I was a big fan of the original for sure. Still am, which we covered on this show. Yes, a few years ago for our anniversary. It was our anniversary episode, like our friendship anniversary episode. It was our friendship anniversary episode. We we um. So that would have been ninety. That would have been seventeen. So yeah. So two thousand seventeen. We did that as our anniversary of um. Was it our anniversary episode of? Us? I think it was. I think it was. You're right. Re- it was like our twentieth. But wasn't re- a twenty-year friend? <laughs> Our, our our friends forever wasn't wasn't Reservoir Dogs our anniversary? No, I don't. Now you got me confused. Could it have been our? Could it have been our our? Um, could it have been our our anniversary of the podcast? No, because our anniversary of the podcasts have always been like Batman comic book centric, um, noir comic book movies. <laughs> because I feel like Reservoir Dogs was there for a friendship, or I don't know. But it was around that time we did it, and you're right, we covered it on here. Uh, it was it was a it was a hoot. <laughs> yeah, I, you know? I just always I always loved Predator. Yeah, uh, it was I just always loved that movie. Um, and for the longest for a very long time, <laughs> and, I, and it's only three years, but it's like you think it's a thirty. It's like when are they going to make another one? <laughs> I know. I, I was going to say, I mean, it was only eighty seven, right? Yeah. So, um, so much so that when I was like in high school and then in college, like I was always like John McTiernan, come on. He made Predator. You were tweeting him, right? He made Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's the greatest director of all time. Did he go on to direct Last Action Hero? I don't think so. But uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. But he did also direct a movie, which we talked about. Maybe it was for Predator. And now I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. Nomads. Oh, yeah. We that I just Nomad. watched recently. Again? Yeah. Yeah. At, with uh, it was Pierce Brosnan's first, yeah, starring role, and that movie—it's horror movie, right? Yeah, but it is. I would have loved to have seen it in the eighties, or at least like seen it in the eighties and seen what like the response to it was. Because you think of it in terms of the eighties being like the slasher, sure, genre, you know, the slasher decade. And uh, I guess that's what it's mostly based off. But we remember. But now, but Nomads is so different. Well, there it, were so other. It's like I'm sure there's some people that might not even consider it really a horror movie. It's very cerebral. Yeah. Um, you had some great horror movies very coming cool, out. Very cool score by Bill Conti, uh, and and Ted Nugent. 
<laughs> so odd pairing. Yeah. But it's very cool. Uh, but so I was kind of like John McTiernan and always loved, even, you know, when I'd see Predator, I wasn't like, oh, John, Mc-, you know, we were little. So yeah, I wasn't yeah. like, oh, that guy really knows how to set up a shot. He's an auteur, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> but uh, always loved Predator. Predator was always a movie that, you know, we shared yeah. together. And when Fox started putting out the, uh, like the clamshell remastered oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. VHSs and widescreen. That sure. was the one that we got and we watched together. It was the '90s clamshells. Those they were the redone clamshells. It wasn't the '80s old fashioned yeah, clamshells. But it was like we're gonna start putting this shit out in letterbox. Yeah, and we were like, what? <laughs> widescreen? <laughs> What's that mean? Uh, yeah, and that was one of those that came out in that time. And um, seeing that widescreen. And then Predator Two. I remember renting it with my stepdad and watching it and and liking it. You know, of course. Uh, by that point, Danny Glover was a star because yeah. of the Lethal Weapon movies and uh, Silverado and stuff, and uh, Color Purple. Color Purple, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I remember liking it. I mean, I, I never liked it as much as I liked the first one. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even sure if I could claim that you know I'm as much of a fan of it as you are, but it's definitely one that I always liked and kind of felt like gets a unfair shake. Like RoboCop Two, <laughs> much like I didn't realize RoboCop Two was getting an unfair shake until we did it on the on the show earlier this summer. Yeah, and we researched, it and I was like, "Wait, people don't people don't like RoboCop 2? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't get it why either. I always kind of that. I remember my first moment of having that kind of uh, realization, and it's not a show that we've done on the. It's not a movie that we've done on this show yet. Is uh, Inner Space? Yeah, because I saw Inner Space at the movies. I always just had like a real fondness for inner space and it wasn't a movie that comes up in conversation often. So I never really talked about inner space with anybody, but I remember at some point finding out that inner space was like a huge flop and I'm like, yeah. what? It was packed when I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the eighties it was, yeah, people are, what the <laughs> Dennis Quay? Come on, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this movie, it definitely has a vibe that, uh, dates it but in the best way yeah i don't feel you know, not that's not inhibiting it or yeah or i mean it's not like making it funny yeah. but it's like you watch this movie and if you grew up at that time yeah you know it's it. like nostalgia central it's you know, you know it's yeah it's for the especially with the aspects of like you know when it was it, this is around the time like new jack city comes out or like juice those kind of movies where it's like you have a lot of those like uh like the urban colors are very bright. Yeah, you know what I mean. Parachute pants—it's it's the crazy the, stuff the people ju- would the wear. Jamaicans, but we were just yeah. you know, the idea of having a Jamaican gang seemed like a very '90s thing. Yeah, yeah. very familiar with that. The fashion, like everybody in it. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, it's a, are familiar faces. If you, you know, if you grew up in the era. Yeah, if, I mean, obviously, if you, obviously if you were alive in the era, but yeah. I think there's a certain. Um, there's a certain nostalgia that goes along with having, seeing those movies, these kinds of movies during your formative years. Yeah. That they, they kind of stick with you and you think about them in a different way than if like our our dads wouldn't sure. feel the same way about Predator 2 as we do. <laughs> and we'd yeah. be like, oh, well, you know, I love uh, Bill Paxton. <laughs> I love that guy, you know, or Ruben Blades, you know, it's, it's, um, but Robert so, Davi yeah, oh, did it again. I, I love Robert Davi. <laughs> it's it's um and you, you think I forget I forgot he's even in this and he's only in what like three scenes or it's kind of like he they take some of the I guess he brings with him some of the diehard crowd and the lethal weapon crowd together to to, to, 
the, when Joel Silver comes on board. Sure, yeah. But it's, I guess for me, it was that they went like all in with the the violence, the gore, the story's great. I, it, it's it's very fast paced. Um, but it you know, feels a, it feels a lot like a, in, not I mean a little bit in tone, but in the in the violence, the kind of thing you're talking about, it feels very much like a canon. Yeah. You know, like the Steven Seagal movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like not just the Jamaican gang, but just actually like the feel of it and the way that the violence is kind of portrayed and and a little bit over the top. Yeah. Feels like, no pun intended, uh, for canon, <laughs> uh, over the top reference. <laughs> but uh, definitely it feels very, that's one of those. That's like one a genre picture. It's one of those aspects that feels very much of the time. Yeah. Like, like those kinds of movies felt like that and the gore. And the way it was presented and the violence is part of like sure. that 90s vibe. Yeah, where they're just looking to just, I think, outdo themselves. And uh, yeah, I think because, you know, I was so into the first movie and then I was, you know, reading the comic before when it came out, I was, you know, I was counting down the days and, you know, they had, they had a pretty good um, ad campaign with posters. I don't think they ever put out... I don't remember toys so much. It's not like I was went home and bought some Predator. I mean, they might have had some Predator toys out. I do have a memory now. Actually, I'm thinking of, of like a clear Predator, or, or you know what I mean, right? Yeah. But I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> I actually. didn't even think of that. Like I had no recollection of that until you just said it. Yeah, right. Very, it's like isn't there's like a memory of like different kind of Predators? <laughs> but I don't know if that could be like Todd McFarlane guys years later or, or like you know. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if it was a tie into you this. know because I remember there was RoboCop toys, there was Terminator Two toys, but. Um, I don't remember specifically Predator. But, yeah, I was just all in, and I loved it. And um, I remember my dad not liking it just because he thought they should have brought Arnold back. And he's like, fuck, what the fuck? I won't see, you know, not that he won't see it, but he's like, what the hell? They should have had, you know, Arnold playing Danny Glover's part, you know. And then we go and read it. Yeah. Unfortunately, Arnold was off doing bigger things. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, you you know, he wanted some more money, so they didn't, you know. But it's, there is a great level of um backstory within the movie the, the there's like there's a subtext or a context that they make uh, a story that happens in between the two movies uh, predator one and predator two and then there's a uh another thing too is that they have a novelization for this and it's hard because you know blake and i try to read the novelizations for the show but this novelization is like it's like 50 or 60 bucks on ebay and and it's coming from like england so it's like, you know, we, we, we try as hard as we can, but it's just we don't have a budget. It's just coming out of our out of our gas money. Yeah. So it, it, I, reading the info about it, it seems like it would have been such a great read to read because we try to do like the penultimate episode of the movie. When we discuss a movie, we try to do like this is what we would want to listen to and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like it's I feel bad and we don't pull out all the stops. I and, did. Find, I mean, I, I know you do. You know, as much, usually, I think, more research than I do. But I did find a pretty detailed... A breakdown of, of the novelization? So three pages of, oh, of, of differences between the novelization. Good. Oh, good. Luckily, Blake got his... He got the... Uh, <laughs> what do you call that? The cribbing notes. Or the uh, the cliff notes. Um, but it seems like it's it, it has a lot in it where they explain away some stuff. There's a couple subplots that... that, that another thing, too, is... I'm not familiar with the newer uh, releases of this, like the Blu-rays or the 4Ks or the 8Ks, you know, all the Ks. Um, have they ever released an NC-17 region, uh, version of this as movie? As far as I know, no. Because they're supposedly cut a... Yeah. Uh, allegedly, there was like 
20, they went back 20 times or something. They at least made 20 cuts to appease the uh, ratings board. Yeah, and they to get, get an R. To get an R because they kept on flagging stuff. For gore and then for just violence and stuff. So I would think in this day and age, ah, that's fucking nothing, but... And, and oh, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, I guess they have to... I mean, saying to, to re-release it. Yeah, they have to, I guess they have to weigh, like, because it's, it's cost. Yeah, you, you know, have to find somebody's it got clean to, it up. Somebody's got to dig out the the elements, then they got to clean them up and remaster them, and then you got to hire somebody to cut them <laughs> together. Yeah. And, Case about Predator too, right? It's yeah. not like, you know, those, unfortunately those movies aren't like today, where really every cut of the movie lives on a hard drive somewhere now. Yeah. So actually just saying... Yeah, let's let's release the Sin fucking City. rogue cut of yeah. of X Men, whatever futures past or whatever, because that cut our that cut exists. Yeah, if the if a Predator two, NC seventeen or unrated cut exists, it exists in like a work print form. Yeah, and they've already cut the negative. Yeah, to to. So the neg- to, to match the the, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the theatrical release. yeah because they're working all on f- literally working on film and and we're, and we're probably cutting it on film then I mean there may be some rudimentary like analog yeah, they, video cut of dailies or whatever we paid them I mean there might be videotapes of it but nothing that's gonna satisfy a viewer they, a viewing HD. public now that. Is watching everything on giant televisions in, in high definition. Yeah, if if you're not gonna have if you're gonna have access to videotapes that are not gonna be over 480i, you know you, that's gonna be hard. So you do make a good point where you'd have to go back find the original work print that's been sitting in a canister in a on a shelf for 30 yeah. years, and then if they still even have it, if they still have it. But I mean, I would I would be satisfied watching. You know, like that. Yeah, well, I mean, know, the, yeah, it's the, true. The, our, our, <laughs> it's an audience of two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, but so they, they, and then the other lore is that this is supposedly the first movie to be rated NC seventeen to get the the rating right when this happened, but then they were able to cut it down and get it to an R. But this was the first one to receive that, and that's why you said they had to go back and do so many cuts and all that. But with the novelization, you want, you want a, a few. I, I highlighted a few because uh, well, there's a lot of. What do you think? Do we should we do we need to set anything up here, or, or is there any other kind of uh, getting to the uh, to the pumpkin pie? Well, I mean, I, I you know you know what do you? So for, that's your, the format of this show is sometimes it's different every time we you know sure. every time we do it. Sometimes yeah. we just assume you've seen that it. you've seen the movie and. Sometimes we assume you've seen the movie, and then we still break it down, yeah. you know, <laughs> pretty detailed. Yeah, especially if it's one of our favorites. I mean, I think it's, uh, I mean, I think the only, for anybody that hasn't seen it, you know, and and if you've heard bad things about it, take our words for it, that it's worth at least the viewing. Yeah. And, uh, and we're going to spoil everything, but we hear there are some people that say that us spoiling everything makes them want to watch a movie that they haven't seen before. So good on you. <laughs> yeah, fair play. Yeah, I mean, it takes place ten years later. The events ten years later. So than it's the nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah, the future, the, the the horrible future of nineteen ninety-seven. The the Skynet hasn't started the war yet, so it's not August 29th or whatever it is, nineteen ninety-seven. It was the hot summer. It was so <laughs> this, hot. This summer grows hot. <laughs> Sometimes we find them much worse. 
Um, I want blueberry pancakes and five sausages. What's a chopper? It's a, it's a chopper, baby. <laughs> what is a chopper? It's a, what is a motorcycle? Who's motorcycle? Anyway, um, so uh, ten years later, you got a heat wave in in L.A. It's futuristic L.A. Hundred and ten degrees. Hundred. It's people. You know, it's 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 so hot. You can fry an egg on the on the hood of your car and there's you know this huge level of gang violence you've kind of got that robocop kind of idea subtly which i never picked up on the first time i thought exactly the same thing you as know? i watched it tonight yeah it was like this feels like old detroit <laughs> yeah minus the over the handedness of the uh the uh they need robocop to pull up in that opening scene. yeah you know, exactly get out and be like drop it drop it that are alive lois take him in <laughs> Um, you know, minus the, them hitting you over the head with the irony or the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, whatever you call that I'm looking for that kind of, uh, storytelling, but, and then it's, you know, the, 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 it, you have these, uh, the scorpions and the Jamaican voodoo posse, they're That's battling the, uh, the rival game and the, yeah, and the, and the <laughs> turbo ACs, turnball ACs. Um, the, the, the scorpions and the Jamaican voodoo posses are fighting each other out and the cops, you know, they, 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 they're run amok. They don't know what to do. And then, you know, uh, they're in also the ghettos of LA and then all of a sudden the predator shows up and he starts hunting. And then that's when you get Danny Glover's character and his team of guys, you know, who are cops, who are cops, Danny Glover's Lieutenant and his crew. He's got, um, he's got a whole bunch of people. Pax. Yeah. He's got Bill Paxton playing uh, an early, 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 um, you know, still young Bill Paxton. Got uh, the late, great Bill Paxton. Yeah, R.I.P. Bill Paxton. Mario Conchita Alonso. Yep. Uh, and the great Ruben Blades. Yeah, who's in, uh, got all them. Ruben Blades, I believe, was featured in an episode of Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers during a little film that I like to call, because it's the title of the movie, <laughs> <laughs> Color of Night. Oh, yeah, he is in Color of Night, right? Yeah, he's, uh, is he a cop in it? Oh, yeah, he's he, the cop. He's the yeah. cop, yeah. I think he dresses exactly the same. Yeah, because it was the same. He's, he's just playing Danny. He's, in, he's <laughs> in the other side of L.A. He's shooting on his time off. He's just playing. Um, just hassling Bruce Willis. Yeah, and then he's like, I got to get back to work. We got this killer killing everybody down there in, in L.A., in downtown. So um, that's basically it. But I love the idea because... Uh, let's not talk about the Alien vs. Predator movies because I haven't seen them since I've seen them. Since, yeah, since the theater. And they kind of flipped the script with the... Remember, because the lore has always been like the Predator likes the hot environment. There was always that speculation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and sometimes we find them much worse. So... <laughs> The idea behind it is like, I know. It's like it's taking place in Antarctica. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, what, the, the f- <laughs> what the what the fuck? <laughs> you know, it's like what the you know? Yeah, hey, you're bleeding. I ain't got time to bleed. So now we're just gonna quote the whole the first movie the entire time. I'll quote this movie, man. I, I'll do it. There's no stopping what can't be stopped. No killing what can't be killed. So uh, I, I, I said, I, man, she's got a big pussy. <laughs> it's big as a house, you know. So. Uh, I love the idea that yeah, that makes perfect sense. You're it's you're in the different kind of jungle. You're in the asphalt and jungle. It's also, they also are the as the lore goes, they go to like war torn places. Yeah, because they have a, a, a. That's what I like. The idea was in the novelization is the speculation of the it 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 tells more of the predator's point of view. So I like the idea. So from what they're talking about from the first movie is that they. They were. Do you remember who? What was the? T- I forget who the team was that did the original suit. Um, we knew who they were. But yeah, it was uh, the guys who did something that we just did recently. But 
they brought in Stan Winston, and Stan, they didn't have a lot of time, so they designed stuff really quick, and they designed so much stuff that ended up really didn't even get in any screen time, right? From the first Predator, some of his weapons they didn't end up using, so the, some of it was holdovers, like the spear, yeah, uh, some of the other stuff on on his on his body. So by the time Predator Two comes, I think that was one of the strong points was they wanted to develop the Predator lore a little more and talk about you know show his ship and the interiors and show the different stuff and they kind of redesigned him a little sleeker because he's and i liked stan winston talks about how this predator looks different you know he's he's a, i think a little darker of a skin color and he's yeah. got different he's got mandibles like, more, like brown and teeth tones yeah in, in his in his coloring and, and uh winston says it's just like it, he's just a, it's like the same species but he's a different individual it's like oh that makes sense you know it's like not everybody is identical and He's just a different kind of, you know... Um, yeah, it's not the same predator. He's a different race, say. Yeah, exactly. It's not the exact same one. And his helmet's a little, you know, bronzer. It's different. You know, he's, he, he kind of looks a little more urban, in a sense. And then also, I think they did try to have add a little, like, African elements. You know, that's why his dreads are a little more, you know, dready in this, you know, as opposed to the other one. You know, you get to see a lot more of the predator in this, too. Yeah. You know, they're not hiding him as much. Um, and... The level of honor of him going to places that are like you know where where he's not he's there there's there's the thrill of the sport right it's the thrill of the hunt so he's going to places like you said that are very violent you know but he's I not think some of that's bad. like hinted at in one of Busey's speeches in the in his like office trailer he's like Cambodia and blah blah, blah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fucking <laughs> I was waiting at the end of it where he was gonna he was gonna show up like you know, he's still alive but they just zipped him up he's like I'm still here and he's like you know he's in a wheelchair you know I'm coming you son of a bitch <laughs> it's like Jesus because this was people who used to be fans of the abuse this was the the first acts the uh, um, role after his near death experience when he yeah. off a motorcycle right a horrible motorcycle accident where he died yeah he was he was he, they, they almost pronounced them. He he died on the table, and then they they um, I think they in, in, with a uh, defibrillator you know defibrillated him, and he came back. But um, and one of the reasons why he's so eccentric now, yes. is because he actually suffered brain damage. Yeah, he had le- the oxygen de- deprivation to so his head. He's, and it's it was one of those maybe it was like celebrity rehab or yeah, yeah one of those Doctor sure. Drew shows, and they went and they gave him an MRI. Um. And they realize that there's the part of his brain, there's like there's part of his brain that is damaged from the motorcycle accident. That is the part of the brain that, you know, um, like deductive reasoning or yeah, but it's also like uh, pleasantries. Yeah, it, it, it the one filter. That's, yeah, basically Sounds like like, f- like two filter. words. Yeah, like yeah. In, you know, is he's his, like whoa his, you got a nice his, pussy it's his, like whoa his inhibitions <laughs> yeah are, yeah sure are kind of gone yeah and he was also at the time he was doing a huge amount of drugs I remember him being on the Arsenio Hall show talking about it where he was you know doing a lot of cocaine and that might have taken sure part of d- sure that didn't help no and then him he was on a motorcycle and he was in an accident like you said he was pronounced or almost they, they brought him back so um, you know, he's gotten f- uh, far more eccentric as the years gone on. Because I was thinking while watching this, like, wow, imagine directing him now. He's like, you know, off the wall. But back then, he's, he was still, he's giving great performances back yeah. then. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a huge Buse fan. Yeah. Who, especially because of Silver Bullet. Yeah, yeah. One, the of, Buse my, is one of my favorite performances yeah. of all time is the Buse in that movie. Yeah, and I love him as Joshua. So, um, 
uh, he's great in this, but yeah, that and there's a whole lore with him. His, what's his name? Keys. Keys. Yeah. Walter Keys. Ah, see Walter <laughs> Keys. There's a little man inside of me, see, and he tells me things. Nothing's wrong. Um, and uh, I I had heard originally that was supposed to be Schwarzenegger's part. So, supposedly, that Dutch was going to play that part in the movie. So it seems like to me, and when they couldn't get Schwarzenegger, and, and there's debate as to why Schwarzenegger didn't do it. I've read that he was that it was money. Yeah. And I read that he opted to do Terminator 2. See, I believe I believe it'd be a money thing. I think he didn't just want to they wanted to keep the budget low. They didn't want to pay him whatever his fee he was requiring cuz I Very think well it could be a combination too cuz I mean Terminator 2 comes out the following year. Yeah. And clearly Terminator 2 was probably a much longer and schedule. Was, and he's in LA. So it's not like they're going to a different city or country and I feel like they, they, you know, how they, if they went through different versions of this script, I'm sure the first version was like, let's have him be the Danny Glover esh character. But then when he's like, you know, he's kind of like, oh, I don't want to be maybe that committed to it. And then maybe that's when they come up with, well, we'll have a lead be the lead, but then we'll have you be a supporting character. And, you know, then you could be the Gary Busey character. Yeah. You know, and then he said no. And then it's, wow, for fuck's sake. You know, so uh, it's a sh- it is a shame because it would have been awesome bringing him back for this. But we learn in th- in the novelization uh, and from the comic books too. Uh, the which I can get into the comic books in a little while. But in the novelization, they talk about that Gary Busey. I guess in one of his speech speeches talks about that he that they had been. I got to see if I can get all this right. Their his uh, team had been following the predator for quite a while and they knew that he was doing something in C- central america and then i think um uh you know when everything went off with schwarzenegger down there they they were the first ones to arrive they found schwarzenegger in a hospital he had radiation sickness and poisoning because of freaking bomb had just gone off near him and then they they uh deposed him and and they got a statement from him about what happened they got a, a statement from anna the girl that survived the first movie. And then they say in a couple, in like nine weeks later, I guess, Dutch vanishes. He leaves the hospital and then no one knows where Dutch is. So they're speculating, you know, who knows what could have happened with him. And that's the backstory of what's going on with Schwarzenegger's character, Dutch, in between the two movies. Um, But then I think it becomes more of an obsession because I didn't realize until this viewing, it's like, isn't Busey's character more of like a, he's a, He's a he's not a military man per se, like a guy like let's fucking kill it. He's more went to college and I forget whatever Paxton gives his backstory as like yeah. he, you know he has like a uh, more than a GED you know you know yeah I mean definitely I think Busey's kind of cast against type yeah for if you really look at what the role of that character is which is that he's essentially like a scientist yeah and who's kind of they want to send he wants to study the thing. Which is not who you would normally cast Gary Busey for. Oddly mm. enough, Busey's son, Jake, plays a scientist in the in the last Predator movie. Oh, okay. Which I, I have not seen. And I can't remember if he's supposed to be related to Keys. That'll be cool. Or not. They, they should have brought him back. I just don't remember. I saw it in the movies, but I haven't seen it since. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, I mean, Buse is great in it. I mean, you know, he was brought back by uh, Joel Silver. Yeah. Um, because Joel Silver also did lethal, uh, produced Lethal Weapon. And 
I think when we did Lethal Weapon, or or at least one of his other movies, he was entered into the Sleepover Movie Hall of Fame. Danny Glover? No, no Joel Silver. Joel Silver, yes. <laughs> Joel Silver was. Maybe it was for Predator. I don't remember what what show, what movie we did that yeah. we that we uh, inducted him. I feel bad for the people who are, who got into us recently, and are listening to us concurrently, and then we just were like, I don't remember what the hell that was, <laughs> and you know, and people are like it was just two episodes ago, but it's so long in between for us. We're just like, I don't. Didn't we talk about that sometime? Yeah. Well, you know, it's a conversation. <sighs> I know. It's it's a that that's basically what it is. You know, um, it's just Blake and I having a conversation on the couch. You know, and it's and we're just it's just and you, you guys are with us, you're listening. So sometimes people get mad that we mispronounce things or we're, you know we 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 say the wrong we say things that aren't correct. But it's just it's a flowing <laughs> conversation. You know, it's like we, we, we we're not we, purporting to be professionals here. No, we're just two guys sh- shooting the shit about movies. There's a sleepover. There's people far smarter than us that get to get paid to do things that we get paid that we don't get paid to do. <laughs> it's just us chatting like you know over like some mozzarella sticks and like uh, you know chain smoking and some having some pizza soda. bagels, some pizza bagels and some. I'm th- I'm going with the diner theme. But if we were at home, yeah, pizza bagels, <laughs> Elio's, some uh, pretzels. You gotta, you know, wet that pretzel, put the salt on it. You know, um, so you know we could be saying the completely wrong things, but we try not. That's to. why I always try to say allegedly or yeah. supposedly. Yeah, we, we say you know, um, rumor has it. I don't want to get sued. Yeah, uh, or people get really mad. So um, there's a whole incredible amount of backstory here. How do you think we should tackle this? Because I don't really. I feel like we're just walking around the car. And, and we haven't really um, figured out how to open one of the doors yet and get in. I don't um, know. How do we usually do it? I don't. I don't know. That's how we're just so we're so we're, we're it's so late. Sh- shot tonight. It's late, everyone. Um, I will. Okay. Uh, a couple things is that um, a lot of violence in this movie, and you have these crazy gangs, and um, you think about on like this is so like you know when you look at the 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 level of, like RoboCop two violence where that's kind of like just crazy, you know, whack town. Um, as I like to say, or Robocop, or yeah, or Total Recall, or yeah. But in this movie, you know, when you have this 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 idea of gangs versus the cops or gangs versus gangs, we hear that supposedly these uh, these certain uh, African American Jamaican gangs were big in the late eighties. That in L.A. or, or in uh, the New York area, or maybe even the Chicago area, and as well as uh, recently, as of this recording. There was a big shootout in L.A. where they pulled a guy over, and there was this big, big shootout where uh, people were shot, officers were injured. And then you have the th- another thing that happened in Philadelphia recently as of this recording where they tried to serve a, uh, a drug warrant, and then the guy started shooting everybody, and there was this huge shootout and all that. So these things kind of happen in real life, these kind of big shootouts where you think it's like, oh, you know, this is in the movies, but some of this stuff actually happens. What I love about this, too, it's got one of my most favoritest actors of all time in that is Morton Downey Jr. And I freaking love Morton Downey Jr. I love Morton Downey Jr. so much, and I'm sure this ain't going to be the last. How much you love Morton Downey Jr.? (laughs) (laughs) I love him so much that I actually went and bought his 45. A lot of people don't know a lot about Morton Downey Jr. There's great documentary on him called, I think, Provocateur, maybe? I think it's called from a couple years ago that they did on him. Fascinating. Um, But for people who our age, they remember that he had a show late at night in the late 80s that was really, really um, successful and controversial where it was, it's basically what turned into like the Jerry Springer shows and those kind of things where he'd invite these people on and they weren't like all fruitcakes like you see now in the Jerry Springer show. You'd have people like Al Sharpton on. I mean, there's a lot of footage now. You, the, the only time you still see 
there's footage of Al Sharpton like you know throwing the N word around on a stage that they people will show footage of nowadays, and that's the uh, Morton Downey Jr. show. And you could see Morton Downey Jr. in the foreground chain smoking, because what Morton do Morton would do is he was a prolific smoker. He would be smoking, and he would start to show, and he'd talk, and he'd go say, "You're an idiot," to, to the guests, and then he'd blow smoke in their face, and the crowd would love it. And um, I have the uh, honor of working with a couple of the cameramen that used to shoot that show because they used to shoot it with Richard, the Richard Bay show across the river in New York City, in New Jersey, in Secaucus. So they have all these crazy stories of working with Morton Downey Jr. and how nice of a guy he was, but like how crazy and cantankerous he was, um, uh, you know, uh, in front of the camera. But he started off trying to be like his father, I think was a singer, Morton Downey Sr., and uh, was a popular person at the time in the 40s and 50s and then morton jr tried to have a singing career and it didn't really go anywhere but there's a song which i i forget the damn name and i was supposed to do that research for this but we could talk about that later but i found the 45 on uh ebay and bought it it's a great song but it's one of those like you know early 60s late 50s like a you know he tried to be like a saloon singer crooner you know and it just didn't go anywhere and then he figured he got into politics and have one of these shows but in the late 80s he became very popular and what i love about him is that he's just playing himself but he's so good he had guys like geraldo coming up and doing like the al capone's vault thing and he had his own show that was very much uh because of his al capone's vault gig he got his geraldo show and that was very popular at the time but he'd have crazy guests on and he'd get into fist fights with like you know uh, white supremacists or clan members and all yeah. this stuff. So it was the Don, era. Donahue. Donahue, Sally. <laughs> Donahue was doing a lot of, having a lot of this kind of... But Morton Donnie's show was, I think, syndicated. Yeah. And it was usually shown pretty late at night as opposed to a daytime talk show. Yeah, and he had, and his, his uh, icon was the big mouth. Like, yeah. you know, that was, you know, that was his, that was his, um, his graphic. So by the time this movie came out, he, be, he had become a personality. So it was funny seeing him showing up in things. And then, he was from, like, I think the Massachusetts area growing up. Um, but then for some reason, there's a story where, f- from my family, my cousins who lived in Wallingford, Connecticut, he lived at the time in their church parish. So people in the parish knew him. Uh, like, oh, you know, Morton Downey Jr., that was always the lore. So when I go sleep over at my cousin's house, uh, you know, I, we, Morton Johnny Jr. was popular. Whenever he'd come up, they'd be like, oh, you know, he used to be part of this parish in Wallingford. I was like, really? Morton Johnny, is there a chance I'm going to see Morton Downey Jr. going to church? So, uh, you know, he did some acting at the time, and then he ended up doing one of my f- all-time favorite Tales from the Crypt episodes, which we could talk later another time about. But uh, I thought he was great, and then when he comes into this movie, I think he's so good in this movie because it's like him just being himself. He, You know, he, he's over he's over the top, he's confident, he's like that era of the, or, or we have it now with these kind of blowhard personalities and stuff. Uh, I always feel like with his bottom teeth, there's like too, too many teeth than there should be, like it seems like, you know, because it's kind of straightened, and um, I think he does a, a fantastic job. And even, if, to me, it's like flashback of like, if you look at the camcorder he's using, it's like, you remember those style? It's the pistol grip, where it's like this, you know, that was kind of a certain style, so... I love myself some Morton Downey Jr. <laughs> love, 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 love Morton Downey Jr. But I love, I, it, it's always a pleasant memory of him being, people forget that he plays that guy, Tony Pope, in this movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, he it, plays exactly the same character as he does in that Tales from the Crypt episode. Yeah, and it works. And the Tales from the Crypt episode is almost a, he plays Horton Rivers, and that's definitely a play on Geraldo Rivera and him going into the Capone's vault, where in the Tales from the Crypt he's going into a, 
uh, a uh, a haunted house live on TV. It's phenomenal, and that but that goes back to there's a uh, a author called uh, Wakefield. I forget his. It's like H. R. Wakefield, and he wrote a short story called Ghost Hunt, which shows up on Suspense and then shows up in EC Comics, and then they take the EC Comics and that's how they adapt it for the Tales from the Crypt, you know, because they would do those straight adaptations, but. Suffice to say, he's playing himself, and he's so good in it because you can get. Sometimes you can get like I don't know, not Geraldo, but you can get like Donahue in a movie, and it's stiff, it's not right, you know. But yeah. they give him such a big part in this, and he's you know he's he's freaking yelling, he's screaming, he gets knocked out at the end of it, you know. Um, but enough about Morton Downey Jr. Um, Danny Glover, I think, is great in this movie too, and it's another thing where he's funny because he's got to me a weird way of acting. Danny Glover has the I'm talking to myself way of that. You know, he's like walking around like, you know, uh, I got to put my socks on, (laughs) Uh, you know, and I wonder how that translates to the stage. If you're going to see him like, you know, do like a raisin in the sun or some kind of great play on stage. Does Danny Glover, like in the rehearsal say, like, I have to do, I got to take the, I don't think there's a whole lot of improvisation when it comes to plays though. That's what I'm saying. But if every movie you think about, you know, he's always muttering something under his breath. Oh, that's not Joshua. <laughs> I got you. You know, uh, uh, it's diplomatic immunity. You know, it's like he's always got some sort of, in this movie too, he's like, you know, oh, I got to go up there. Oh, I'm going to, oh, that's, the gun's too small. Or, oh, that's, that's Rubens. That's Rubens' necklace. You know, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, and it's like, that's his, that's his <laughs> Yeah, shtick. well, some of that is clearly like ADR or somebody's like, we got to make this more clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, give him some exposition or, you know, to, to give, but it seems like, I don't know, maybe every movie he's in, they're like, oh, shit, we need to add some exposition. Just have Danny Glover say some stuff under his breath. You know, like, you know. Um, yeah, I mean. A tattoo, like Popeye, like Popeye. Tattoo, like a tattoo. Like, or like Big Bird. Like, he, like, like, you know, like Big Bird. <laughs> I don't know, there's something about Danny Glover in this that just doesn't, at least on this viewing, I mean, I don't remember if I felt this way when we were kids, but... Um, there's something like it's hard to buy, buy him in this role. Yeah, like you know, in terms of what he has to go through. Like you can buy Arnold in that. Doing yeah, this one is like he's clearly like not in bad shape. I mean, they don't ever you never see him like with his shirt off or like in a tank top or anything. But I think he's like clearly in good shape. But he also. I don't know, it looks like he's got bad knees or something. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean... Like, he's, like, shuffling around. Yeah, I mean, but he's... Just, I mean, I, and maybe it's because, like, Lethal Weapon, he's supposed to be, like, close to retirement. Yeah, you have that so idea of him. The, I just have the idea that he's too old for this shit. Yeah, <laughs> and now he's really too old. He's just, he's over the hill. But he's also wearing, for the era, you know, he's wearing baggy clothes. A lot of the, you know, it's the cream-colored or the, you know, the, the silker kind of clothes. Yeah, so you yeah. don't really... There's nothing, like, body-forming on it. But, I mean, he's doing... See, I I... I believed him in it because he's so balls out. Like I don't, I didn't have the memory of him being so unhinged, quote unquote. He's playing like the Mel Gibson or the Dirty Harry, like the yeah. to the extreme. Like he's playing the exploitationness of the genre, where he's you know he's throwing his captain against the wall, you know, or you know you could have to answer to me, you know. It's like <laughs> you know all that, you know. It's like clearly, you know. So, uh, I I I liked it all, but it is a level of like craziness like it's just yeah. he's going you know there's no like he fo- like he like the part where he like throws Gary Busey he's like I don't care 
He's going. He's got to fuck with me now. It's like, oh, gee, yeah, but, yeah. but you're fighting an alien, Gary. Go like, have me some fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, you know. But I mean, I thought it's a, it's a, it's an interesting role to have him play because, yeah, he doesn't usually get. I mean, you take out the westerns or so. You know, he he does already kind of time out and be the older guy in these movies. Yeah. You know, in Lethal Weapons, he's he's playing. He's the old. They they may even like gray his hair up a little bit. You know, or the. Um, would you say the color purple or these other movies where you just don't think of him, you know, in that kind of way. So when you see him in an action, a, you know, a straight action movie, that's not lethal weapon where he's actually doing the beginning where he's driving the car. He's doing all kinds of, that's all out of like Robocop shit, you know, where he's coming yeah. in and slamming. And, but see, I, all that I remember, it's so funny. You remember all those beats of him coming in, saving the car. I mean, I loved all that cinematography at the beginning where it's like, you know, you, you cut to the, a lot of the predators POV, yeah. you know, and then they, you know, well, I mean, it's a it's a great opening. Yeah, it sucks you right in. I mean, one, it's like they for two seconds they try to fool you that we're in the, like the jungle as we're pulling, where we're going through the woods, and then we pull up over the mountain or the hill. We are in the jungle, and baby. We, You're going to die. <laughs> and then reveals that it's L.A., and then we see you know predator vision views of the city, and then damn, you know, like we're in the shit. Yeah, there's like. War torn streets of LA, gang worn torn streets yeah. of LA, and uh, it's a fire. It's like yeah. it's it's a big, you know, crazy opening, and it does. It's it sucks you right in. And I mean, it's definitely effective. And the guy, I mean, the guy at the beginning, that guy with the long hair. That's another when they, when they're shooting, everybody's crazy, and it has that other guy in it who we just were talking about in RoboCop Two, where he's got that smaller eye, the Spanish guy. He's like. You know, <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing the inflection for Blake, but he was at the beginning of RoboCop too. He's one of the guys looting the I think the gun store. In RoboCop kills him. Yeah, uh, he's in a bunch of movies in that era. But um, the other guy that's with him um, with the long hair when they when they get off the street and they go into the um, it looks like it's like some sort of like sweatshop, but then the guns are upstairs. Like suddenly we're like in the Scarface territory or New Jack City, and then they're dipping their faces into coke, and he's like, like all that stuff is like whoa. It's like, <laughs> it's, like an, it's it's like believable it's scary it's it's exciting because it's this uh, I, I keep saying like exploitation and i don't mean it to in any way be like the black exploitation films of the no, 70s i mean you know i meant like the 80s genre exploitation of like you know it's like it's so you're so hooked in you're like these guys are badass motherfuckers they're all they all have those um the styre augs that we saw in die hard the the gun that carl had with the clip back here mm-hmm. you know they're shooting no you know everybody has crazy guns i mean I think like Danny Glover's like um, like sidearm is 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 like a Desert Eagle, you know. So uh, these guys are like the cops are clearly like like they almost they want to like you know go on strike, you know. Like we can't handle this shit. We need OCP to help us, you know. And then when the predator comes and just fucks some shit up, you know, it's uh it's insane. And there's a lot of speculation of. You know what's what's the predator's intentions? Is how long has he been hunting on this particular hunt? Are the, the other predators near the end of the movie that you that that was always a big uh, spoiler alert? Like that was always like the, the twist at the end. Remember at the end of the sh- at the I mean I guess we're not going in any kind of order when he when the uh, the, the predator in the movie kind of meets his demise all those other predators come out and you're like oh my god there's more predators <laughs> you know, it's like you know your mind was just blown with the alien with the alien um what do you skull. call it xenomorph yeah the skull there um it it, it, it was pretty amazing at the time yeah it's <clears throat> it's tough to uh 
it's tough to like think about it about what it was like to, at that time because now we've had years of like you said comic books and you know not so great alien versus predator movies and video uh, games you know there's all this lore and backstory about the predator that we all as like fanboys and gals know about the predator that we wouldn't have known when predator 2 came out yeah, yeah. so it's hard to like for me it's hard to imagine like what even if I wasn't a kid, even as an adult, like what what I would have known and put together. It's like when you first seen like Empire Strikes Back. It's like, you know, unless you were reading those c- comics that was Marvel was putting out between Star Wars and Empire, it's like you're still it's still fresh. It's still yeah. you're learning like, oh, you know, this is you you're kind of learning the um you know the 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 what do you call that? You're like learning the the rules and all that. Kind of. But, you know, the, we had a first movie which did kind of do a good job of setting up some exposition of that he's there to hunt uh, for trophies and that he has some kind of code. No women, no kids. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I guess we're, we, we at least know that going into yeah. it. Yeah, and that's all you really <laughs> need to know, you know. What this movie does do is give us more of that, a little more of backstory Obviously, without dialogue. Yeah. So much. I mean, a little bit from Busey's character. Yeah. But we get to see the interior of the ship, which is all very much in like an a- a Mayan. Yeah. Like decor. Aztec. Aztecian decor. So it's, you know, you're playing with the chariots of the gods, ancient aliens yeah. aspect of it. And of course, the, you know, the, the, the gun. That he that the oh, the flintlock pistol yeah, yeah. so that's it's, it's like, another surprise at the yeah end. but it's like we've been doing this for a long time and then with this with the various skulls you know displayed you realize that they've been doing this on other worlds you know with the so and you, that's, that's you, stuff we don't uh, you know when I first saw this that was huge reveals yeah you know at the end when you see the trophy room or the trophy wall and you see the alien what is it that i keep saying the xenomorph i think it's called yeah. or the the skull there and all it's like you know with the with the with that uh alan silvestri <laughs> you know you're like holy you know yeah. it, well, it the was realizations big, even it was a big deal yeah that reveal you don't have crossovers back then excepting it was like, what know, the hell yeah this is and then you know, with him taking that that pistol out, and you know, no, you know? apparently, there's the scene earlier where he's like cleaning off the skull. Yeah, and he and apparently in the in an original in an earlier version of like a, in a rough cut. Yeah, you actually saw the xenomorph skull there. Oh, and the director, what when he saw it was like, we might be, this might be distracting. Like people might think now think that this is going to go a direction that it's not going to go if we reveal it there oh that's a good point so they kept that reveal it was always in the end also yeah but you saw it in that scene too and since fox owned the rights to it all and since that scene was so much earlier in the movie he was worried that people thought that this was going to turn into like an alien versus predator movie yeah like that batman dead end from 2002 (laughs) or three that short film of legend so uh so they ended up cutting it out of that scene, which well, I think was pretty smart because yeah. having the reveal at the end is like, Completely I remember effective. even as a kid being like, what? Yeah, you, you, like, I, This I, is I, in the same universe? I urinated all over myself. I mean, I don't even know, like, this was probably pre, like, multi, you know, universe 
sure. thing. You know, we didn't th- we didn't think of that. We probably yeah. weren't. I probably wasn't using the term universe. Yeah, we weren't thinking of the Tommy uh, <clears throat> Tommy Westfall universes or whatever it is. You know, but uh, there was definitely this like, oh my god, like this. They're in the same. Yeah, they are in the same universe, even though I probably wasn't how is using that possible? <clears throat> you know, it's like all that kind of shit. Like somewhere, like there are alien characters yeah and that they've on some other world they've come in contact with which is only logical but we've only encountered them in the future uh you know in the context of the alien movies um so dark horse comes out with it with a four issue series called um uh concrete jungle 1989 and i since i i indicated before i remember you know at the era i was really into collecting comics um so I was eating these up when they came out, and I remember all you know the four covers and what was inside and all that. I haven't read them in thirty years, and I just reread them t- for this podcast. But I didn't realize the importance they had on because you know you don't remember the timelines. So I had no idea that they came out technically before the movie came out, but they were instrumental in getting this movie made because I guess there was no plans to make a sequel to Predator Two, and then. Once these comics were popular, they're like, no, you know, look, there is an appetite there uh, for little fanboy nerds like Dion and Blake to, um, to uh, that, that, you know, that this digestible, they'll eat all this up. And when you read the four issues of The Concrete Jungle, there's a lot of elements that they actually poached from. And I'm surprised I didn't do enough research to see if they give them a story credit. Uh, it only says it's written by the Thomases, Jim and John Thomas. Who wrote the first movie as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and they also, I think, were, yeah, they came up with the characters too. Um, but in the comic, it's 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 in New York City. So that's why you get the idea of the, that iconic shot of the Predator supposed to be on the Chrysler building. Even in L.A., they have it. They have it say Eastern. I don't know if that, I don't think that's a, is it a real building in LA? That, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think, I don't know either. But it's supposed to be the Chrysler building. So uh, it takes place in the future. It's in New York City. And they're, you know, same thing. Gangs are running amok. It's a big heat wave. Everyone's going crazy. And you have this guy who we find out ends up being, it's Dutch's brother who's a cop in New York. And his brother went missing three or four years ago. And he encounters the Predators, much like, uh, the scene with the Jamaicans in the apartment, and the you know they discover the predators. There's the scene in the subway where the predator goes in and kills everybody in the subway. Uh, there's even a scene where he encounters um, somebody, and somebody says, "Let's give him some candy" because they think it's Halloween. So he starts saying that line back to him, "You want some candy?" Which is you know another throwback to the movie. Or I got that wrong. The movie takes, but it's a throwback to the comic. Um, then you get a backstory in the issues where. Uh, the the Dutch's brother meets the colonel that sent Dutch down there, and he relays to him the story of the you know your brother encountered him a couple of years ago, and then he goes down to South America and goes into the woods and finds where the the bomb went off, and he's trying to find with his brother and encounters more predators down there, uh, in the comic, but it, it sets up this huge thing about uh, the backstory where they meet the Keys character in the comic book, and he says that they've been hunting here for century or for for you know, millions of years or thousands of years, they they hunted the dinosaurs into extinction, they say. And then, you know, they started hunting us. But the, like you said, there's a code and all that kind of a thing. And then it ends with, you know, him 
he's getting the predator mask and once you put the predator mask on it's kind of like they live where you can see the spaceships are all over and through the entire comic they've been talking about how like you know the tv reception is horrible they can't get any reception on the tv because they have antennas and it's because these ships are everywhere you find out at the end of the book and then there's this big epic battle where you know the uh the the bad guys join the cops and they fight to uh get rid of the predators but uh, they took a lot of elements from the, you know, even the the, the covers, the, the cover of the first thing, which I showed you prior to us recording, because I broke out my comics. Uh, the cover of the first issue of that uh, 1989 uh, Concrete Jungle is him holding the staff uh, with all the tribal kind of stuff on. I think holding a skull on top of a building, which looks a lot like the Chrysler building, in a uh you know a storm with like lightning in the background so like some of these are kind of ripped from the pages you know yeah it's interesting because when you because it's dark horse it's not like marvel or dc you know i mean they were big at the day but they weren't huge yeah they weren't one of the big two yeah you know although they might i can't remember they might have been like an offshoot yeah dc or something but so they were smarter people than us know that yeah Yeah. i'm not gonna yeah try to to know (laughs) no no so um, but uh it's interesting because when you do research and you watch things and you read a bunch of stuff to prepare for a podcast like we do, you know, there is a lot of kind of conflicting information or at least, you know, little bits and pieces <clears throat> that maybe you can uh, extrapolate into something that's bigger. But because you know, there's one like interview where I, I heard that the <clears throat> the writers kind of came up with the idea of doing an urban setting predator movie while making the first one yeah but then you also hear other accounts that there was no thought of a sequel and that when the comic books became popular then there was talks but then you also hear that the writers did want to do a sequel but they were waiting to see if the comic books did well before they could make any pitches yeah but then you hear that they did like six different pitches to fox and joel silver and the urban environment predator is the one that won out the city hunter you yeah know? and maybe it won out because of the comic books but they don't mention that in some of the research yeah and as Deans pointed out like you know it does seem that the uh concrete jungle uh series certainly had at least some kind of in you know uh some kind of effect on on how they approached predator too. yeah um even if it's just the cover that Deans just talking oh, they've, about they've they've took in some aspects of the game violence and the heat wave but yeah. then they also even you don't have the scene in the subway you don't have it dramatized or drawn yeah. but you have two guys sitting there you know and my then point the is like comes if, in. if if yeah. all they took was the cover yeah that's it's, enough it's still you know certainly made some kind of impact let alone having these other elements that clearly kind of informed yeah whatever the script was going to be so basically they just took out this guy who is he kind of looks like Schwarzenegger from Red Heat and he's supposed to be Schwarzenegger's brother, uh, and they put the Danny Glover character in, and then they moved it to LA. I'm Bill Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I know. Hello. <laughs> you do not know. I, I'm a New York City cop. So, you know, another thing that got me thinking since we're down the road is that how cool I want to take this story and have the Predator go to every cop show you've ever seen. I want to see a Kojak, like three part series where yeah. Kojak. You want him to be like the Belzer. 
Yeah. I want to, yeah, exactly. Like homicide or, uh, or, or law and order. I want to see like- A predator shows up. Yeah, and like an episode of Kojak, and he's got to fight like, you know, Stavros and Saperstein and Rizzo. Rizzo? And uh, what's his face? Crocker's got to fight it, or Hunter, or, you know, uh, what other, whatever other shows you have that like these iconic shows, like in the 70s or in the 80s or 90s, and then they got to fight the predator. I thought that'd be such a great idea for like a, um, you know, like these uh, American horror stories. You just, you know, take, you know, <laughs> just take, you know, have your classic shows um but i would have loved to seen a new york city because it's such a cool idea i mean la is great and apparently even you know the early ideas by the brothers uh thomas was the yeah brother yeah, the, yeah. The brother the brothers thomas who created predator and wrote this movie that they originally were gonna set it in new york yeah but then they just realized that wasn't gonna be cost effective yeah especially what they needed to do so they decided to shoot it in la so it seems like a the budget was and that's some of the conflicting information about why Schwarzenegger didn't come back. They didn't want to pay him whatever he needed. And then John McTiernan, they were looking maybe to have him direct. He declined, some say, because he didn't want to do a sequel or they didn't want to pay him his fee. So he went to do Hunt for Red October. I showed you in the notes from the first Predator comic, them, they talk about John McTiernan in the, in the notes in the back of the first issue. And they're saying he's doing, he's now working on the upcoming uh, Tom Clancy classic Hunt for Red October and then they mentioned the gentleman who came up uh, with the Predator concept that he's working on uh, the concept art for Nightmare on Elm Street 5 with uh, director was, Stephen Hopkins which, which is directed by the same guy that did Predator 2 and that's in the first issue of the Concrete Jungle, so it all is kind of incestual here, you know. Yeah. So you, I don't know where you know is it this guy working on Nightmare on Elm Street Five, saying, "Hey, this guy could be good. You know, let's use him." Or is you know that they or is he a hot new director, kind of like, um, well, what's his face was uh, uh, doing Color Night, you know, when yeah. Schumacher was big, you know, and you know. Well, look if you look at his IMDb page, I think his first feature Stephen one, Hopkins. Yeah, Stephen Hopkins. Uh, either his first feature credit or really early on is is a version of uh what's the most dangerous game what's the story that's the, the most dangerous game where they're hunting people yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so it makes sense that one would think of him for something like this did he do surviving the game i don't think he did survive no <laughs> i should look that up because the there is a version Another one of the Dion Baia movies that messed up his childhood that he doesn't know the the, the um, title to, but we did um, the Van Damme, John Woo hard target hard target on here, and that takes place in New Orleans. But I have a memory from a movie in the eighties that's also in the swamps where people are being hunted, and then it's I think it's the beginning of the movie, but the two guys are like they've made it out and they could see like across. The, the the river or whatever is the highway and then they're like killed you know and that's the end of the first yeah. scene and I wonder if that's that because for years like you know people were hiding up in the trees and it's it's you know it's the most dangerous game um, so I, I should look and see if that's the movie I'm always looking for but he ended up doing a crap load of movies he did well yeah I mean then he, he did no, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5 The Dream Child yeah. and it's said in research online anyway that that's where Joel Silver saw that movie and thought that he could maybe pull off uh, Predator 2, but I think it's very likely that there might be some kind of connection with the the design. Yeah, the guy, uh, Moro, uh, I think his name is. So yeah. Who we, we talk about, maybe John, we, we bring him up in the first Predator cast. Yeah. You know, a bottle um, of that. But he does Predator 2, and then he does uh, what was 
he goes on to do what was a huge sleepover classic for me and my friends growing up, which was Judgment Night. Yeah. Great soundtrack. Which as I well. think we'll get to at some point on this. Yeah, we should. That's you know, a good one. It's a good sound it's a good soundtrack. It's a good movie. Which you isn't, know? you know, too different than like a most dangerous game yeah, it's type. Kind of I yeah, mean, it's, or the warrior like it's a, fleeing <laughs> urban yeah, you know, you know uh, fish out of water. He did that movie that uh I believe your dad loves uh, the heart, heart of darkness. Heart, the, the one with Ghost the, in the Darkness. Ghost in the Darkness. Yeah, yeah, with the, the true story about those killer lions in Africa with, with Michael Douglas and Val, Val Kilmer. Kilmer. Yeah, I think he did that. He did the Lost in Space remake movie. with Gary Oldman. That one. Um, so I mean, he did a lot of stuff that was familiar yeah. to us growing up. And yeah, then into our teens, and then and then he just did recently. What did we just see him? Uh, and we we're like, oh, oh, he did the which I like the Life and Death of Peter Sellers. Yeah, with Jeffrey Rush. Rush. Yeah, f- uh, the HBO movie that was from maybe ten or fifteen years ago. Now I know. Were like... we living together when that? For the... <laughs> we may have been because, or maybe I was with Mike Stratton at the time when that came. But I remember loving that when that came out, and I didn't know he did that. Was a biopic where. Uh, he should have won something for that playing Peter. Sellers. I mean, it's amazing to think how the El- how the Elm Street movies were really kind of like this breeding ground for directors because you get not just Stephen Hopkins, but you get uh, Reddy Harlan. Yeah, he does the fourth one. Sure. Um, Wes Craven. Well, of course, Wes Craven. But the the guy that did the third one is uh, was uh, Darabont's partner. Yeah, they did the Blob together. And didn't we just talk about the who's the guy who directed the second one? Because we didn't, we have him on. We had the guy who, who did the special effects that we just talked about in Evil Dead Two last he, he week. He did the he did the second one. The guy. Uh, but I feel like we had the director. Sherstrom did the special effects for Evil Dead Two and Nightmare on Elm Street Two. I feel like we had the director. He directed something in the past year or so that we like, like Captain America or something or something. <laughs> Maybe. You know what I mean, like I feel like I'm like, you know, um, I need to start taking that that the pills for my memory. My memory's going. Um, so, uh, but Stephen Hopkins, young yeah. guy, an Aussie, you know, he, he ends up, uh, getting a chance to do uh, a very stylized, it's, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare on Elm Street movie. But I was going to say it's, I mean, it's controversial in, in only in that, that seems to be in my opinion or my point of view, uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street movie that is polarizing. Like, there's people that really love Dream Child, and then there's people that really don't like Dream Child. What's the plot of Dream Child? Uh, Freddy comes back, but I mean... Yeah, and then there's the, there's, a, there's a child involved. Okay. There's a there's a, a the birthing of a child. And that's the... You also get a lot... Some of the... That's the one that gives us the backstory of Freddy's mother being a nun in, like, a mental Oh, that's the opening? Or, or the, with the, Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, she gets stuck in the room. A, a thousand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. believe that's in the beginning of that. Yeah, I but. do remember that. Uh, but it has that uh, some very elaborate s- production design and stuff towards the end. Is that the one with the pickup truck? What's well, the one where they have? What's the that artist who does like the stairs that go? Oh into, yeah, yeah, yeah. That we talk about in labyrinth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one that there's like that scene is in that one. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Nightmare on Elm Street series is must have been a fantastic series to be a young director sure working on because it is so imaginative i mean it yeah. it, it allows for stuff that no other series would really allow for so it must have been difficult because of the, the budget and time i'm sure was was very restricted but uh to be a young director being able to do such a elaborate and 
crazy thing. It's supposed to have been really cool. And then to go on and do the sequel to, to Predator to a, a pretty big deal Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie. Yeah. Must have been like a really. One, he must have been psyched. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Two, I would imagine it must have been kind of intimidating. Yeah. Um, and and, all, but the, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street's also, you can, that, that kind of got the, turn the genre, that kind of got it into the realm of wackiness with the uh, slasher, you know, where, where by that time when they were like that in the Friday yeah. the 13th, and I guess you can even say the Michael Myers, where they're just, it's almost yeah. turning it on its side. Yeah, it, you know? well, that's why I'm saying, that's why when I was talking about the movie Nomad earlier, or Nomads, I can't remember if it's plural or not in the title. The, the, see that to have that movie come out in the midst of all the slasher sequels and having horror go in such a weird comically uh aware way to then have like this very cerebral weird horror movie come out uh, i can't imagine i you know I, I knew the box. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's a very familiar box to our generation yeah. that we would see at the video store with uh, Pierce Brosnan on the cover. But uh, I can't imagine seeing it in the midst of all that. Um, but Stephen Hopkins, I think, does, you know, he's clearly a, a, a young talent. I mean, you know, all the movies that we mentioned are certainly competent. I mean, sure. you know, they were definitely good at the, when they came yeah, out and they you were, know they were popular and, yeah. and good and like i said i mean think to our generation i think i was perhaps a little other than the fact that gary oldman was in it i was probably a little too old f- to be totally into fucking lost in space when it came yeah. out like i feel like if that came out when we were a little younger we yeah. would have been into it i, like I would have been like oh cool because i watched were, the show when i was a kid people i remember people being split on that because it, it takes a little departure from the show and then you know people didn't like it from origin but I was like hey Gary Oldman's great man you can have Gary Oldman doing anything you know and I you know I enjoyed it I saw that in the theater yeah you know I got my money <laughs> you know what I mean and of course Joel Silver like we said I mean you know huge yeah of legend uh, producer well he brings with him so he's bringing you know Davi from uh, you know he just Die worked Hard. with him in Die Hard and he's also bringing Danny Glover he's bringing also the abuse is loose. He's bringing also um, SWAT team guy in the beginning who's in the Lethal Weapon movies. Yeah, he plays the the captain and all those other movies. Um, so you know, Silvestri comes back to do the score, and that's a good. That's another great thing too because it's not you know like we talked about RoboCop two. They yeah, didn't take a departure we're in, we're inexplicably. <laughs> none of none of the themes uh, from the first one end up in the yeah in the second RoboCop, and that's really off putting. It's weird. Where this one, I. I was really pleasantly surprised that they brought back a lot of the the sweets and the 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 kind of cues. You get, that, you get that like that tribal yeah percussion going on and that opening one. Yeah, you know, and then you you even have like at the cemetery that you have the military which they use when they're burying um uh, uh just at the body in the first one and then near the end when you have the you know the music hitting yeah. all the you know the theme going. You have yeah, all that. Yeah, Sylvester is one of the greats. Sure. I mean, you know, you know, he is probably. I mean, he's not as popular as John Williams or Jerry Goldsmith, but I mean, we're talking. He did, you know, Back to the Future sure. for Christ's sake. Yeah. I mean, he's he is one of the. He's a big deal, yeah. and uh, his score for the Predator movies, I think, for our generation, are you know as iconic as uh, 
Fidel's score, uh, Fidel's score for like Terminator, you know, like all those action movies and the, and the original RoboCop uh, score, all those scores were so grand. Yeah. Sure. You know, I mean, in the 80s, I mean, nowadays when we look back at the 80s with the big retro, um, like the big retro like nostalgia thing, you know, we all, we're thinking of like synth. Yeah. That 80s synth sound that we, we associate with like John Carpenter and Tangerine Dream. But the big movies of our childhood were all big orchestral sure. scores. Yeah. And they were great because we were getting these scores from people like John Williams and Silvestri and Goldsmith and um, Horner. You know, these are all these 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 scores are like you know embedded in in us. <laughs> yeah, even if we know it or not, if we don't, you know, if we don't know who the you know like, like the, even if like you can't the picture if we were like you know hum the Predator theme. You know, I think maybe most of us wouldn't be able to do it, but if we put something on and we're like, what is this from? You're like, yeah. oh, that's Predator. Sure. Or if you can't place it, you're like, I know that, you yeah, know. Yeah. You know, and, and a certain a lot of his canon, you know, like John Williams stuff, you know, you get a lot of that, you know. So, so you, you you know, you're bringing all those guys. With yeah, them. yeah. So, I mean, Silvestri's score is huge. Yeah. Um, not just in scope, but for the movie, you yeah. know, because you're also, it's creating some, uh, like musical continuity between the two as well. So we're not just getting a predator, which but we we're learned getting the predator. That really helps. Like with RoboCop, I think that would have really did some good, you know. Yeah, it's weird cuz the music in Predator is good. Yeah. It's just we're so accustomed to that. Oh, you mean RoboCop? I mean, uh, yeah. RoboCop 2. <laughs> yeah, Robo the music in RoboCop 2 is so good, but I mean, it is good, but it's not RoboCop. Don't get a motherfucker wrong. <laughs> we've established what RoboCop's movie should sound like with the first RoboCop. Yeah. Um, and you said you were bringing Busey back from Busey's and Lethal the Weapon. The Busey's loose. The Busey's loose in this. Um, we have, of course, the star, Kevin Peter Hall, reprising his role as the Predator. We've He's come on at, before on uh, Harry and the Hendersons. Hendersons and in the first Predator. Uh, and we talk about how he also did Harry and the Hendersons, the TV show, right, for a little while until he died. Sadly, he died of HIV. I think he something to do with maybe a transfusion at a hospital or something. But he died fairly early. I think like 34 or 35 he died. Passed yeah. away young in the maybe the early to mid-90s. It was, yeah, I mean, I don't know how old he was. But he certainly was not an old guy because he was pretty young when he did these movies. Yeah. And he died. Yeah, I think midway through to the Harry know. and Henderson show, right, maybe? So, uh yeah, I mean, he's as important to those movies. I mean, I was thinking when we were watching this, you know, knowing that he reprised his role as a Predator in this Predator movie, I was thinking about his performance in Harry and the Hendersons and how good it is. Yeah, I know. Like, I mean, clearly Rick Baker's, you know, mask uh, and the animatronics and stuff are amazing. Sure. But his... uh his ability to emote physically in the Harry and the Hendersons is so amazing. Well, even look at here. And then to be able to then do that in the Predator movies at the opposite end of the spectrum. Well, you can't even, you know, have, you, you're wearing a mask, literal, figuratively and literally, the Predator's wearing a mask, and then you're wearing a, you know, a Predator face underneath that. Um, and just and then he also they say he plays the elder predator the grayback they call him mm-hmm. at the end of the movie who ends up giving uh, Danny Glover the uh, flintlock pistol which the grayback 
elder, gray ghost. Sorry. <laughs> the elder, they used the original Predator mold. Yes, for that mask and costume, and and so essentially, I mean, they didn't just mimic. You know, they didn't paint him to look exactly like the original Predator, but he does. He's based off of what the Predator in the first movie looked like it could be, you know compared to all the other predators in the movie yeah uh and we can go and touch on the uh the, the pistol later on um and then i all i love for um i've i've been getting for the past 10 or years or more i've been getting into like 50s 60s and 70s tv and i love that the captain i've never picked out before in in this movie predator 2 is kent mccord who uh, is from Adam 12. People will know when you watch Adam 12, there was the young rookie cop, and then I think Martin Mulner was the guy training him. And uh, he was the younger cop, Kent McCord, and he also shows up on a couple episodes of Dragnet, and he may even do a crossover into Emergency because it's all done by Jack Webb's team. But uh, it's nice getting him because he played uh, Adam 12 uh, from 1968. That ran for maybe, Jesus, five or six years, but that was also out of L.A. too. So this could conceivably be him being then a captain so many years later in this ragtag, you know, uh, they've lost the world kind of a, um, uh, you know, an attitude of, of with all the violence and all that. And, you know, when you get down to, I, I've made some declarations on this show, when you get down to the, the, the villains in this movie uh, uh, taking away from the Predator, um, you know, my adage always is like, you know, if you add Nazis to anything, it's awesome. And I don't mean that like I love Nazis. I mean like, you know, I love them as the villains and stuff. Yeah. Like Hellboy, you add some Nazis, awesome. They're trying to find the occult, the Indiana Jones movies. So that's what I mean when I want to clarify. I'm not like a white supremacist, you know. So same thing with freaking voodoo. You know, you add <laughs> you add guys, you know, King Willie, such a great freaking, that's why I love Screwface and, and, and Mark for Death, you know, the killer white boy Hacha. You know, he it's so good. There is a, um, for... Um, West Coast hip hop fans of the 90s there's a very very famous some people call it his best album Ice Cube put out an album called The Predator which came out in 1992 and that is also the album that has on it the iconic song It Was a Good Day that everybody knows Ice Cube did well there is a song right before it, the Good Day called The Predator which is the, of course the title track of the album and it samples heavily Predator and Predator 2 so when you're listening to it You've got the beginning of it. You have King Willie like, there's no stopping what can't be, no killing what can't be killed. Then they sample um, uh, Billy, who, ho, ho, and there's something out there, Major, and there ain't no man. There ain't no man. We're all going to die. And then in the middle of the song, they cut like to the break. They sample Gary, Gary. Uh, I was going to say Gary Coleman, uh, Gary um, Busey. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, which, no, no. They sample Gary Busey where he's like, when it was cornered, the uh, predator detonated a device, you know, like that. So uh, people, you know, go between the predator or lethal injection as ice cubes. Uh, best album, but I gotta say it, it, it's 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 iconic that they that a lot of people remember those references in the '90s. If you listen to, I guess that's now old hip rap, old hip hop with the new stuff. There's a whole hip hop battle I just learned about, which is not worth getting into now. But it's amazing where the younger people, it's like Carlito versus Benny Blanco from the Bronx. There's no respect. Mm-hmm. Where the young people are like, why do I have to know where this came from? And the old people are like, don't you want to know where they came from? And you know, so yeah. uh, anyway, so I thought that was worth mentioning. But the Jamaicans, it's just such a great, you know, I mean, because they talk about, well, you know, voodoo's kind of from Haiti. 
it's not really Jamaica. Jamaica's Rastafarians, Rasta. You know, they talk about they. He says the Babylon. He's like, you know, what you thinking? You crazy boy? You know, they fuck with the bones and stuff. So, I guess I don't know. If, like, could people maybe take offense that like it's like you appropriating? <laughs> yeah, you know. But I mean, but it, to me, it's kind of like uh, what did we do recently where they were appropriating? Um, we just did something where they took like three or four different... Oh, Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom took like the sacrifices of South America. You know, they took the voodoo or whatever and they brought everything to India. And I mean, the Indians were upset when the, the Asians, when it <laughs> yeah, ended up yeah. happening. But here it kind of works where it's, you know, they're Rastafarians and, you know, they're, you know, they're... they're, 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 they're but they play on it like, you know, the crazy... Because I found that... the. The other half of that scene, when you have first the girl riding that guy and there's a big zoom in and it's like, oh my God, there's nudity. When those guys come in and they got him hanging upside down, that Cuban, or maybe he's Colombian. Uh, uh, and they're, they're like, they're going to fucking, he's like, no, nah, you know, King Willie says we have to take your soul to buy. That's like scary shit. <laughs> that only are you going to get well, killed. Well, that scene, you know, all together from, you know, the opening of that scene to. A great shot coming to into. when. Glover and his team show up. Oh yeah, like that scene is the scene that sells the movie. Well, right? that I remembered oh, best. Yeah, you know, like I remember the details of it most because I've seen this movie in at least twenty five years. Sure. So that's crazy. To think but, that right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's weird to, but like that's the scene that I remember. You know, yeah. that's how impactful everything that happens in that scene is. Yeah, they had real Jamaican voodoo posse gangs that were. To evidently terrorizing Kansas City in New York City in the late 80s. And I think there could be, of course, this is research that's not confirmed on the internet, but I think that there is a level of truth where once the mob, when, you know, Giuliani took down the mob, Gotti in the 80s in New York City and the mob broke apart, you always hear like that's when the Russians came in, the Albanians came in, the Chinese, the Japanese, the, the you know, the Jamaicans, and then you see that in Mark for Death, which is, that's a Seagal movie I'd love to do. <laughs> you know, the, uh, Seagal. Uh, Jimmy, put it on the list yeah, first. <laughs> that's a Seagal, Keith David double feature in there because you got Keith David in there. There might be a third. Uh, I forget who else is in that. There's a, there's a, there's a guy, whoever plays the white guy in that. Uh, but that's another movie. Uh, but I love that, man. And that's it's weird because it's a, it's only like three or two or three years you're getting these these Jamaican voodoo posses, you know. And then all by the time you hit the mid '90s, you're I can't think of what the equivalent is. Yeah, I mean, because the the ma the the Italian mafia comes back into vogue with Goodfellas and Casino. But for these kind of movies, you know, for like the canon. Or like the uh, you know next to kin or the you know those those roadhouse like the movies where you have like the quote unquote like you know syndicate mob. I wonder who becomes like the um, you know the poster child after the you know the voodoo Jamaican voodoo. In yeah, the, you know it's almost a shame that like that they don't play a bigger role. Yeah, in this movie. Well, yeah, you want to see more King Willie, you know, because I love when King Willie fights the. Like, they know something's up, but I think they think he's from the other side. Yeah, you know, yeah. they think he's, like, some sort of spirit or something, but uh, it's even more sinister than that, you know. Uh, but I love all that. I mean, you just, that's all, like, it would have been cooler if we were able to develop more, but it does seem like the movie's so fast-paced where it's, you know. Yeah, it, 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 you know, you're, you know, it's a quick start. Oh, you're, yeah, right you're in there. thrown you're, into the deep end. You're, you're in a shootout, you know, <laughs> on this movie. Blowing up, there's there's there are literally cannons and, and stuff. There is like there also is like a feel that reminds me of something. Maybe it's because just because Ruben Blades is in it. There is like a that color of night 
LA. There's something about like '90s LA, sure. That also is very unifying with all these movies, like yeah. the craft, even. Yeah, or, or falling down. <laughs> you know, you know it's like that, or like you know, trying to make it to the sea in the the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> you know, it's like there's like, you there's know, a certain vibe of LA in the '90s and all these movies. Maybe even Lost even, Boys. You know, Lethal the Weapon too. Lethal Weapon, yeah. yeah. Also, as well, yeah. Uh, even even Lethal Weapon two, yeah. Number two, that even Lethal Weapon three, which I'm not a, the biggest fan of, but I like one and two. But there's something about. That era of L.A. Of L.A. that really... Los Angeles. That does... You know, it's very specific. Well, it's and like it's the romanticism. The, the, and it's like the the film stock yeah. that was being used then. There's just something... And the colors, like, it's like, you know, when you, when you have the stories be like an urban... You know, inner city kind of story, and you have the styles of the MC Hammer era, the real bright. That's when you have like a lot of the, you know, pro African colors coming out and stuff like that, and the designs and the parachute pants. It's very, it's very, it's very like, because for me, like Yo MTV raps was, you know, and then MTV was big then. So it's very iconic to music videos. You're seeing like the people, like, you know, everybody dance now, like, you know, that era of like, you know what I mean? Like, or they'll call it a comeback, you know, like that, or LL Cool J. I think I've talked about it on the show before, but there is a certain, you know, obviously, this definitely I've talked about, which is that, like, you know, in the last 10 years or so, I've been very into nostalgia. Not, I, I think, not in like a, pop cultural way like stranger things you know the way that like and i like stranger things but very much just thinking a lot about my childhood and and, and it was you know in part you know partially the inspiration to do a show see, like I, this i find stranger things almost pandering is that sacrilege that's well that's not good to that yeah, discussion it's true but where i'm going is that like this happens to be a movie that, that i did see as a kid and i do have nostalgia for but there are certain movies like um, when we did uh, the Captain America 1990 or 91 Captain America movie or the uh, ill-fated, never-released Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. Some of these movies that we watched that I didn't necessarily grow up with, when I watch them, I do like – they're so of the era that it's hard not to feel like a kid – nostalgically about them yeah um and even though this was a movie that i watched as a kid and i did like and you know i do have nostalgia for it is really fun to watch a movie like this or uh end of days not end of days that's the our sports what's the one with uh ray fines Catherine bigelow strange days oh yeah yeah to watch that movie that movie's so fucking 90s yeah. or johnny mnemonic yeah <laughs> you know the, the way those futuristic you can't shoot me not in the head <laughs> or speed yeah speed too you know but as well but there, there's there's also but there is something about like a the futuristic 90s movies that has a they're so uh, hackers. Well, you know, it, it's also too. You think of this has an element of Running Man in it, like that craziness of people. You know, you know. And I, I was saying before, this doesn't have the RoboCop kind of like beating you over the head with the satirism. But I guess Morton's show is called yeah. Homicide, and it, and it's like you know, how many people have died so far. So There's it's a little bit that of that. Ex- yeah, and and it's stuff. And I, what I find about this is it's it's very. They tried to have it be in the future with like some of the cars like it's funny there in my neighborhood uh, there's still an old beat up Chevy Lumina uh, minivan which is the minivans in this movie that they look like the bullet fronts yeah, yeah you know and it's still 
in my neighborhood and it's beat to crap and the people it's like you know they use it as like a painter's van so there's always crap in it so at night when i'm walking my dog i'm like oh my god it's a chevy lumina look at that <laughs> you know uh but it's like so nostalgic for me of that era of robocop the yeah. four tauruses or the Mer- mercury sables so uh they tried to like make the guns look a little futuristic because what she's the uh, conchita um you know her gun is really weird looking or bill paxton's but uh, they try to do technology with like the video effects, you know. Sure, you yeah. know, so you get like the sees like the point where you have Bill Bill Paxton tailing Gary Busey, and then they're at the bar, and he's like looking into a little monitor that could be like a cell phone now. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's like, or they're saying like the mythology is uh, uh, the hyperbole. Maybe it's in the novelization of when Gary Busey goes to the s- location in the jungle where the first predator blows himself up and they find Schwarzenegger why the ship isn't there it's because the ship might have been programmed to, to, to go on autopilot and go back on its own almost like a drone now or it's recording which I believe the book goes into yeah we, we, like, we should get book. into we should get into some of the novelization elements but it's like the idea that like the predator's mask is recording everything and then it's kind of like a it's like a gopro uh you know like a cop's yeah camera now or you have on your head when you're you know or even one of those these doorbells so it's like recording everything and it's not just storing on the it's going on the wi-fi or the bluetooth <laughs> yeah, to the, the spaceship the cloud you know so that's the reason why later on when gary buse is like you're one ugly he it'll finish saying motherfucker either because he's heard the swear before or maybe these predators Every new mission, they're maybe reading what happened on the last one. You know, they're up on, you know, what's in the newest Hunter's Magazine Weekly. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, Sitting on the toilet. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 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 Jesus. It's all all like the green and, oh, God, that's terrible. Um, Also, at this time, too... You had the Alienation TV show, which I was hugely into, circa like movie, 1990, and the movie, and the movie which is something we should that we. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie in that years. A, that's yeah, a great, that's, a, that's yeah. a good one, though. You know, but the TV show was great. That ran for maybe yeah. a season or two, but I was super into that, and that is this era, me fifth grade. You know, this is like, you know, right around like I said, this is era Dick Tracy and Ninja Turtles, like all this stuff going on at the time. So, to me, these all kind of exist not ninja turtles but like the alienation or running it's all kind of in the same kind of world you know oh sure, yeah. uh, what do you got for some of this novelization stuff that we got going on well, here i do want to say that uh oh one last thing too before when they're in that that apartment uh, in, in the in the penthouse and they have a big shootout when when the predator first comes in and you see some guy cross the camera it looked like it's rick james like with it with an it's not but i mean <laughs> the guy looks like hey look it's like rick james doing extra work but sorry it's not I mean, there was one, you know, I do want to say that, you know, the concept of the Predator, of the Predator, is like a fantastic yeah. device. Um, also a fantastic device to, like, lay social commentary, like any good sci-fi or horror movie does. And to set it in an urban setting, um, again, you know... You know, as Dan pointed out, it's, you know, there was a comic book that did it before that, but um, there's something about it that's a little bit like Cue the Winged Serpent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or like even there's modern. Some, something amiss in in an urban setting. Like they keep making fun of the mayor not being there. And to me, that feels like, as of this recording, like the New York City, the Blasio, where he's, you know, trying to run for president. He's running in the presidential. So people are like bitching, like, he's not in the city, he's yeah, away. Yeah. So there's an absentee mayor 
idea in the Predator movie, Predator Two, the whole time. I mean, I'm always into the idea of like alien hijinks going on in an urban setting because I've always said that you know, as someone who's now lived in Manhattan for for a number of years, um, despite it being you know one of the most populated cities you know in the country at least if not the world i mean i know there are other more heavily populated cities and you know like hong kong and stuff but everybody just kind of keeps to themselves you know what i mean like nobody wants to be bothered by anything or by anybody and god's so be- a lonely man <laughs> so a whole bunch of crazy shit could be going on. There yeah. could be an alien predator. Like. There could be spaceships <laughs> just hovering outside that we can't see. It's just it's a fantastic idea, and then it's also like a great backdrop visually to, sure. to have these kinds of things: rooftop chases and um, like Darkman esque or yeah, like, or, yeah. It's just know, it's like a, all that. It's just it's a it's a great idea for a movie, and it's it's a pretty damn good execution for one especially when you find out like really that they were working with a limited budget that's the stuff that's crazy like they only it took them like a like uh uh, they only had like like four weeks to shoot and four weeks to edit the movie and you know and and just you think about the time constraints and they're working on a limited budget and and then a lot of the budget has to go to the end where they have all these other predators show up. Or, sure, it's all pre CGI. You know, all pre CGI, so you're just doing a lot of like you know probably optical effects and stuff like that. I mean, sure, there's maybe some elements of CGI. Yeah, but, but not. There's no like I mean, computer when generated. I say, when I say pre CGI, I mean like yeah, before we start creating full characters. Yeah, you know. Um, it's 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 quite it's it's quite amazing to think of the stuff that they 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 go through and they do and then it's all yeah I mean like they they found a one armed stunt man yeah to to play him <laughs> when he cuts his own. and that whole sequence I mean that still holds up for me that whole sequence when he falls into the bathroom with that lady and she's you know someone is, they're, they're watching Jeopardy you know and then it's it's so funny and then him fixing himself and then she comes back with the broom you know it's just it's so. I it's like it, a, like that kind of thing's almost cliche, but it works. No, yeah, and it still does, even though you think it. If I say it to you, ah, it sounds a little cliche. Well, you, it's well, like, you, but could, it's, you, you know, know, if you really think about it, you could find other seeds where like old ladies are like, yeah, you know. But it, you know, maybe this did it before all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But the one stunt stuntman's name was R. David Smith, and he's the one that they rig up to a thing called the Descender, which is they drop him off the roof, and they literally just drop this one-armed guy in a predator suit. Not off the roof. <laughs> off a 13-story. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> roof. Um, there's other stuff about the making of it, but let's get into this S- list of stuff I got Steve from- Cahan. K-A-H-A-N is the sergeant that we were talking about from the Lethal Weapon movies. Good old Lethal Weapon movies. It's not Joshua. Okay, so according to this list, and I'm, I apologize that I did not actually print this out, but um, because it was on black, I should have... Maybe we can put a link to it because I feel bad that somebody did all this work and I did not get his the name or the website to credit the poor guy. Okay. So apologies ahead of time. But a uh, couple of things. It inexplicably takes place in 1995. Mm. Not 97. But apparently does state that it's 10 years after the first Predator, which makes it- Mistake? Ha- I don't know. Happens in 85. Yeah. Um. It, the book opens uh, with the ship 
going oh. into the Earth's atmosphere. Predator 1 style. Predator 1 style. And he's, apparently he's, uh, ships heads to uh, Guatemala, but then decides to take a left and go <laughs> go to Mexico towards Los Angeles. Um, a lot, several sections of the book are told from the Predator's point of view. That's awesome. Which is kind of neat. You, um, uh, Which helps to shed some light on the uh, culture and the customs of the of the predator species, which I guess are called the Yautja, Y-A-U-T-J-A. Um, so you get some of his uh, inner thoughts. Like, for instance, when Danny Glover takes the mask off of him. Yeah. And then apparently in the book, the mask then goes, like, down some drain or something. He loses it. That's why he doesn't just put it back on. But apparently it goes into, like, how humiliating that was for him. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. It goes more into his thought process. For the predator. For the, the predator, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like having that taken away from him was kind of humiliating. Uh, goes into his thought process as to why he doesn't kill the uh, Maria Conchita Alonso. Uh, oh, because she has a she's with child. Of, yeah. yeah, I mean it's clear in the movie. Yeah, but and goes, even when I was little, I was like, ah. Oh. But it goes more into his thought process. <laughs> sure. Uh, Tony Pope, the uh, Morton Downey Jr. Morton Downey Jr. character plays a much bigger role Sweet. in the book, and also sections of the book are told from his point of view. Um. They know what happened with Dutch because it's on the ship and the ship does have is once when, when self struck goes like this DN suggested would be a good explanation is in fact the explanation <laughs> is that the ship then has autopilot to take off and go back yeah. and everything was recorded. So uh, the predators are up to snuff on what happened with Dutch. Yeah. Um, Jerry's reputation of being the Lone Ranger has gone into a little bit more. Oh, uh, Bill Paxton's Bill character. Paxton's character. Yeah. You find out that uh, on his first week of the job, he fucking defund, you know stopped the four heavily heavily armed men robbing a bank, so he gets a reputation there. Uh, apparently, he doesn't. I think I don't think he he doesn't uh, skin the Jamaicans and leave them there. He presumably takes them with him. Oh, okay. To do all that later, he don't get the time. That's why. <laughs> He's quick in this movie. Uh, the infamous scene that we, that Dion alluded to earlier, which is the cover of the uh, oh, the first concrete jungle where he's dark sta- horse, where he's you know on top uh, of the Chrysler building. Yeah, uh, that scene comes later in the movie, but it's actually Danny's character that that happens to, who is the Ruben Blades character. So that happens a little bit earlier, and it's his skull and spinal column. <laughs> It's terrible. Uh, let's see. He doesn't have any of the alien skulls on the ship. Those are it's all human skulls. Yeah. Um, let's see. He talks about the he respects the Danny Glover character a lot, and that's why he starts killing off the team. Oh, 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 oh! In First the, in the uh, in the in the slaughterhouse. Yeah, but also just like oh, his, like his, he his... he's in the subway to get Bill Paxton. In the book, he goes into the into the subway system because he follows them down there. Oh, so see, that's not clear for, for me in the movie. I'm like, yeah. why is he just going down there to hunt? Yeah, but it's because he's he's starting to play with them. He decides that if he kills Danny Glover's team when they finally face off, he'll be a like a a much better f- opponent. Opponent, because yeah, yeah, yeah. he'll be pissed. And uh, well, they talk about that too with when. 
they in the in the uh, cemetery scene with that with when he leaves, you know, the, he sees the kid. The kid's got a gun, and he he decides he's gonna he's about to shoot the kid. Then he sees the gun isn't real. So I don't know if you don't know that's. I think arguable. there's a little bit in the book. I think where he, he talks about that doesn't kill kids. Yeah, no women, no kids. But it does seem like in the movie that he recognizes that the gun's not a real. Yeah, gun. or he would blow the shit out of the kid. <laughs> and then and, just like, yeah, <laughs> like a red mess yeah. that he ever turns around. <laughs> it's not Joshua. <laughs> And then, but he finds the uh, half of Ruben Blaze's um, necklace. Necklace, and then is it is he taunting him, or is it respect of him giving it back? Maybe it's. A I think it's both. a little taunting. Yeah, yeah. Personally, that's how I read that scene. Uh, it goes into Keys did personally interview Dutch, and it yeah. goes into all that stuff that you alluded to, where Dutch left the uh, hospital. That's talked about in the book well, or the novelization. Well, yeah, they talk about the that. Um, I guess the whole thing about. Uh, Keys there is that Keys um what is he he want he he wants the end of the day is he, he wants to capture the predator because he wants to kind of make uh to to be able to communicate with it because the the speculation is that um they what I guess have a handle on quantum mechanics or quantum physics and the idea is that um they'll be able to um they have they have uh sorry they have uh, a theory of the quantum theory of gravity, and they want to talk to the, deter- the predator to determine how everything works and, and this, about the, his weaponry and the self-destruct mechanisms and all that kind of stuff. They want to learn about all that predator tech, as alluded to in the movie. So that's why he has his um, dub- OWLFS team going after him in that slaughterhouse. Yeah. But there's much there's stuff in the book where... More about Dutch, more about Key's relationship to interview Dutch, uh, uh, interviewing Anna, which apparently was in the movie but cut out. Yeah, because you could see her for a split second. Yeah, when you're looking, you could see her, but evidently she reprised her role, the actress coming back as Anna from the first Predator movie, and they shot a scene where they not, I guess they, you know, they they have a deposition with her, they interrogate her, uh, and then you see in that scene with Gary 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 Busey. (laughs) When they bring him yeah, into the trailer, yeah, I, I, he would have been awesome in this movie as, as, as anybody in the movie. He could, have, <laughs> he could have been the Jamaican. He would have been awesome. He could have played Drexel's, you know, yeah, his well, was a white boy. That's day. another L.A. Exactly, movie. yeah, from the from the early the mid nineties. True romance. Um, but uh, so you see a shot of her up on the on the screen, and also isn't at the end of the movie that. Um, uh, in the novelization, I think it is. Uh, I don't know if it happens in the comic book adaptation, but the. Uh, Danny Glover doesn't kill him by shoving the thing into his. St- he doesn't. Apparently, yeah. in the book, he doesn't kill him. He doesn't shove the thing into his stomach. Yeah. He he gets to a point where the elder predator comes out, and the elder predator they show honorably, before that happens. Yeah. He honorably. What I, find, what I find interesting is apparently there's a little bit of a lethal weapon joke in the novelization. So I guess they knew it, that Danny Glover was going to play the character, but when he's climbing all around the you know, the rooftops and stuff and hanging off of shit. He's like, this, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. Mel Gibson should be doing this shit kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, a little, little. Um, it's, apparently it's explained that the, the they can grow a new limb for Oh, wow. Him. Oh, that's and, probably and, why and, like, he's... grafted on. Sure. Uh, and then... Uh, the, the, the pistol at the end is not dated 1750. It's dated 1640. That makes sense. There's other stuff, but they seem kind of yeah, evidently not as important as some of the things that I did mention. The um, 
at, at one point, they, they, this guy's called the city hunter, this predator, and then he willingly allows the elder predator to decapitate him because of some sort of honor code or something because he's lost. I mean, the tech, I love the, 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 the ideas, like you see in his medical bag when he opens the shit up, and then you know you get a lot a more burn. of that. Yeah, and it's cool, and then you don't even know what he's taking off the wall when he's beating up the subway tiles, but he's making it into something that's going to be able to put on the quarter quarterize the room. Like the drywall room. from behind the... Yeah, and he's making that as like a paste yeah. to like to try to, to try to stop the bleeding. At the end, when they get into those suits, to me, it's all like a flashback of um, of Predator or of the Blob. Yeah. You know, you know the the remake of the Blob. Remember when they were in those suits with the light in them and all that kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I I was getting like shades of that kind of a thing. Um, and um, the whole story, I guess, with the with the uh, the pistol, the flint lock pistol, is I guess that goes back to they explored it. I think in the Dark Horse did a comic about it, but the uh, Raphael. Uh, Adelini. Adelini. Apparently, uh, it, there was a there was a, it's a part of a anthology book that Dark Horse put out called "The Decade of Dark Horse Number One." Sweet already. And uh, the story was called Predator Seventeen Eighteen. The date on the comic on the book is on the gun. I'm sorry, Seventeen Fifteen. Yeah, Seventeen Fifteen. Yeah. So it's uh, the the title is Seventeen Eighteen. And it and it's a short story about the grayback elder uh, predator. Yeah, they get lost. It's a um, he's a Spanish pirate. Uh, Rafael Adeline is a Spanish pirate captain, and he him and his fleet. I guess they get what in the Bermuda Triangle. Well, apparently uh, he tells he's a he's a pirate, but with honor because he does not let his crew steal gold from a church. Mm. So, uh, the predator—that's his downfall. This, too. this grayback predator is, is is kind of keeping tabs on them because he likes the cut of Raphael Adelini's jib, of course, and he wants to battle him. Yeah, but uh, apparently, apparently Adelini's crew—there's a mutiny. Yeah, so they want to kill Adelini because they want to rob the church, and. Predator does not want them to kill Adelini. He wants his shot to battle Adelini. He wants to fight Andre the Giant. <laughs> so he interferes, and uh, he and Adelini, like, back-to-back, you know, like, kill the entire crew. Oh, wow. And then uh, somehow they're able to communicate to each other that the Predator wants to then battle him. Yeah. And that they're going to have, like, this friendly... And the predator, the pirate's like, "Oh, come on!" <laughs> this honorable battle. Yeah. But before they get to have the fight, there's a surviving crew member shoots Adelini in the back. Yeah. Uh, why he got? He has one shot, and he doesn't. He's not worried about the predator. This giant alien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's shooting a little ball of lead. <laughs> he's got one shot to get off. Yeah. He's and not it's, gonna, a, it's like a. It's the. <laughs> It's that, you know, flintlock, you know. You know, he's only got one. He's not going to have time to reload this thing. <laughs> but instead of <laughs> instead of aiming for the Predator, he shoots Adelini in the back. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, the Predator then turns around and turns that guy into, into a, a red mist, basically. <laughs> sure. Um, and then as Adelini's dying, because uh, 
he has respect for the predator, the hunter, the grayback, elder hunter, uh, and also to kind of thank him for helping him, he gives him the, the gun. Yeah, the flintlock pistol. As like a as a as a gift, peace yeah. offering thing. And the predator buries him and then leaves his crazy alien sword, which I don't think was a great idea. At the gravesite. <laughs> no, because then it's going to be alien tech that is on, like, what's his face from? He's um, not abiding by the uh, no. <laughs> the rules of the game. What's the uh, what? the uh, Star Trek, the uh, prime directive? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. That's not good at all. Uh, and so that's how uh, the Predator that at the end gets the gun. Yeah. It was written by Henry Gilgory, illustrated by Igor or Igor. Cordy, and it was released in July of 1996. Um, now, apparently, with with um, even as even when they did Predator Two, one of the reasons why they added that at the end was because they uh, allegedly the, the the pistol. Yeah, the producers and Fox wanted they were thinking about doing a historical Predator movie. You know, setting a Predator movie in the past as opposed to present day or a, or a few years in the future. Sure. And uh, again, allegedly they um, they bat around ideas of putting them in the, in night's time or feudal Japan. I tell you, this is we can do this all day long. Just make a American horror story or have, Predator or have uh, or just doing something more along the lines of the pirate. Yeah. You know, telling that story. But that's, uh, you know, a little, I think, you know, I'm sure some people are out there that are big diehard fans know it, probably own it. But oh, for, yeah, yeah. But the Dark Horse stuff. Yeah. But, uh, you know, for someone like me who loved the movies but never ventured too far past just the movies and maybe the Batman Predator <laughs> miniseries yeah. on comic, like that was, you know, uh, that was very cool. You know, it's, to have that, and that's the beauty of the time we live in. I mean, even going back into, you know, several decades ago, that not only do we have motion pictures and television, but then, you know, we have all these great outlets for for art and, and entertainment that they can then say, hey, you know, uh, Raphael Adelini, let's do a story about how he got that gun yeah. and put it in a comic book. Yeah. Yeah, they, you know, like we go, we we have the rights to the to the predator, so let's let's tell that story, and we'll just tell it really quickly in like a little anthology thing. Yeah, and then you get you know people now, you know, thirty years later, twenty five years later, you know, doing a podcast and then researching and finding out like holy shit, like this exists. Sure, <laughs> I yeah. gotta go find that. And now. then maybe there's people listening to this too who didn't even know about the original Dark Horse run, of the yeah. Concrete Jungle, or the uh, or the. The other two-issue um, comic book uh, adaptation, which is really good. I mean, it's all, all this stuff. And is, this kind of stuff dates back, you know. I mean, it's, you know, the Star Wars had a comic book series in between sure. the two. Yeah. Uh, the novelizations, obviously, you know, we talk about a lot about them on, on this show and the differences. But, you know, when, when we did the Escape from New York and all the backstory, whether it's unlikely that all that backstory was, you know, created by Carpenter and Nick Castle. But it's still cool to see, like... Even if it's just this alternate reality yeah. backstory of how Pliskin lost his eye or whatever, it's great. It's, it's still fun. It's more it's, just it's, like it's more juice detail, or something, you know, you know? For, when you 
basting your meat there. Um, I didn't re- look, but they said in the end that the elder, elder predator had a patch on his right forearm, and I was looking for it, but it's it's U.S. Army 2nd Infantry patch, which is evidently from the Korean War, and that leads you to believe that maybe at some point he was over there during the Korean War conflict. Suicide is painless. Predator versus imagine that a radar, but it's like so. But they also say that even though you know there was it was cold there in the winter offenses in China, that there were elements in South Korea. It's very hot and humid, so maybe the predator did have a little hunt in the you know. So. Uh, I mean, how awesome would like a World War One or World War Two predator? Oh, a- anything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, any, any yeah, you could you could put him into any era and it'll be freaking awesome. And then you're like, <laughs> you what the hell are you? You know, have you have Schwarzenegger be every 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 character? You know, we will CGI. I'm young. Um, so, couple things for the speculation is um, uh, quickly at the end of the movie, uh, Danny Glover. Uh, he big L.A. Lakers fan, big basketball fan. So he just they needed some tall guys to, to to play in those outfits. So he I guess supposedly got some of the L.A. Lakers guys just to be the doubles to be in the Predator suits. Um, but um, at the end, he gets his arm cut off. Predator, uh, the the city hunter as they're calling him, and you see him huffing. And I like the idea they're saying, well, you know, he can breathe because we see him take the mask off. But then there's speculation that he's not huffing to breathe either when he has just has a respiratory illness like you know anybody could have he needs his inhaler but or also that la smog man. Oh, yeah or the la smog or it's some sort of um synth like uh uh stimulant that's you know he's like huffing like you know like freaking blue velvet like <laughs> <laughs> you know like he's like because he's he needs yeah. the adrenaline you know he needs the fucking hit of you know yeah because he got his arm to cut off and he's you know he's kind of i mean that whole sequence do can you remember how iconic and awesome it is that they're in that slaughterhouse and they have it all that weird color and you know they have this big you know we're going to capture the predator with the mr freeze technology and then they got those big ass fucking they look like batman you know like yeah yeah. and then the predator you know they they have this huge idea that they're going to be able to get the predator because they think um you know the predator is going to be able to, but then they don't realize the predator can just go through his, his, you know, his 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 mask into different visors and stuff. Um, that's one speculation. Uh, I love that whole end sequence with the with the slaughterhouse when he kills everybody off. James Baldwin, the the Adam Baldwin, Adam Baldwin. James Baldwin's an author. Um, Adam Baldwin, the the non Baldwin brother, uh, yeah. brother from <laughs> Firefly, secret the secret Baldwin. Yeah, is this the first Bald Adam Baldwin movie? Yeah, it's maybe the oh, we did Adam Alec Baldwin. Yeah, um, in the shadow. Yeah, this is the first one of his. Of course he played as Dion alluded to. He played Jane in Firefly. Yeah, uh, he was on the show Chuck. Yeah, he's in the movie My Bodyguard. Yeah, Serenity. Well, that's uh, the movie. <laughs> yeah, um, reprising his role as yeah. Jane. Um. Uh, but I love that whole sequence where he, he he predator gets them all, and it's it, it almost turns into a little bit of aliens there, where they're like he's like get your team out, get your team out, you know, it's like you know it's you know, and everything goes down at the beginning of aliens there. Um, but then at the end when they get on the ship, the ship, you know, they said they want to make it like very reptilian looking and very different, like you were saying, the it's very much like Aztec almost art. Um, to me, it almost ha- looks like the the I forget the guy's correct name, but remember Masters of the Universe, the the reptilian man. Like he could be like a cousin of the predators, you know that <laughs> yeah. kind of kind of had that Cobra Commander kind of uh, headpiece looking, but uh, I never occurred to me to realize why at the end when they kill that one predator, all the predators come out of the shadows. So there's a whole truckload of speculation, which could be a whole entire podcast of like, you know, are they teleporting like Star Trek 
Star Trek style, um, you know, there, and that's how they're showing up. Are they all on their own hunt too, uh, and they're all coming back? Are they maybe just observing? Like they all like to watch, kind of like like a eyes wide shut kind of a thing, you know? <laughs> uh, well, I would imagine they don't interfere because of like the sure. honor of the hunt. But they're go, watching the entire time. You need to have like a, w- a wharf predator. Yeah. Match. Well, you Klingon predator. I bet you they've done that. I bet you there's a couple crazy crossovers. I mean, they've done an amazing crossover recently where it's original Star Trek 66 with uh, Chuck Heston, Planet of the Apes. Yeah, yeah. And it's freaking, the art is amazing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, So who knows what the heck they've done because that that sparked a memory. Maybe there is a Warf vs. Predator, you know, him with his blade. (laughs) Yeah. You know, his battle, the Klingon (laughs) battle baton thing. Um, But it's like, you know, there's our. Are they all on a big hunt, you know, because we, we are their kind of like resort where there's sandals, you know, or beaches, you know, <laughs> or... uh commercials of it Yeah, on exactly. Homeland. It's like, you know, it's like Total Recall. You can't afford to go there? We'll put the memory in your head. Um, or maybe are they like the watchers, you know, are they silent observers who, you know, maybe they're like judges and they're, they're, they're ruling on... If thing is done right, and then there's this huge thing of honor where they they won't like you know like we said there's they don't kill women. Well, it seems like they will kill women if they're shooting at them, but they won't kill uh, kids. They won't kill people who are unarmed. Uh, there's other kind of you know they 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 have a level of honor even though they do. This is emphasized kind of in the um, in the comic book, uh, the Concrete Jungle, but they talk about that. Since their technology is, it's it's kind of like they're making assumptions and like, well, since technology is making us less human, the idea of the predator coming and hunting is to try to keep that wild beast inside of them and give that wild beast that primal instinct a little time to come out, and that's what the hunt is for, and maybe that's why the predator is doing that, you know. It's like the purge. Yeah, it's like the purge, you know, that kind of fucking crazy-ass shit. So, you know, <laughs> that crazy-ass shit. So, uh, you know... it. it when the movie came out, it got mostly negative reviews, which kind of sucks. I mean, Ro- Roger Ebert kind of even com- said it was almost racist because he felt that the uh, the creature's designs had racist undertones and subliminal clues that encourage us to subconsciously con- connect the menace with black males, quote unquote. This is what Roger Ebert's saying. And um, it did well in the theaters, but it got kind of shitty reviews which kind of sucked opening weekend when it came out november the 21st 1990 it was fourth opening weekend behind um dances with wolves home alone and the first movie i was ever in three men and the little lady because they shot three men and a little lady. And the only time I went to a Mets game at Shea Stadium, they were like, would you like to be in a movie? Then do the wave now. And we all did the wave. And it was because they were shooting three men and a little lady that day. Or maybe they're just shooting the extras. So if you look at me, I can tell you where I am in, this, in the stadium in that crowd. But so it was fourth. That's a pretty heavy weekend because I remember seeing all those movies at the time. Dances with Wolves, yeah, Three sure. Men, a Little Lady, and Home Alone. So, um, but, you know, they... they, they it ends up getting two video games, a computer game in 1990, a Sega Genesis game in 1992. And then I didn't realize that even though we have those Predator vs. Alien movies, that uh, it doesn't get a direct sequel until the Robert Rodriguez 2010 movie, Predators, yeah. which I didn't realize is, I guess, kind of a sequel. I was thinking of it being more of a reboot, which is not a reboot, but it does make sense when you watch Predators from 2010 thinking that it's a sequel why you have all the Silvestri scoring being the same and why because it's fucking part of the 
it's part of the world, you know, yeah. as opposed to because I mean, I maybe people like the AVP and the other stuff, but I just didn't really care for them. I didn't like one of them where you said they go to Antarctica, and I do understand that there was like a, a pyramid hidden down there and that kind of a thing. And once they're in there, but then the the other one after that, the Requiem movie, they're like in Oregon. And there's like they're in the middle of the woods, but then they're going into like New York City sewers. You know, it was kind of it was kind of silly to me. Um, but I really liked the Predators, the Adrian Brody movie. And some people don't like that. That's also controversial to say. Yeah, I mean, I I liked it when I saw it in the theaters. Yeah. You know, I mean, Rob Rodriguez produced it. I forget who directed it. Yeah. Um, I remember when they were making it because I'm a big Rob Rodriguez fan. So I remember they they shot it like at his place in Austin or whatever. Yeah. Uh it's not flawless by any means, but I remember being like pleasantly surprised by it. Well, I think the reason I ended up really liking it is because I had such low expectations of it. Because when I saw the trailers, I was telling you this before we started recording, I was like up in arms. Like, this is stupid. You know, this is why is he, they hunt, the predators are hunting them. This is corny. They're, why are they on an alien world? And then when you see the movie and you get the backstory, it's that they're, spoiler alert, they're being abducted from earth in, in alien abductions and then they're being put on like a terraform world that's been terraformed more of a sandals beaches resort you know that's like almost like a uh, a safari habitat yeah ground and that all the people in it are according to the code they are murderers billy not billy drago you have um Danny Trejo, you have, you know, all the, oh, Billy Drago would have yeah, been awesome. <laughs> Billy Drago <laughs> the late, would have been the late Billy Drago. Billy Drago. But you you got you you know, they had all those they're they're all flawed. There's you know, they're gang members, they're serial killers, they're well, this it is and that. kind of even more of like a you know, most dangerous game, surviving the game, hard target type plot in a way, instead of like coming here because in the in the context of like the predators like they're just coming here to 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 hunt the wildlife of earth yeah which is human which is humanity but in the context of that movie said they're taking them putting them somewhere that's like earth and then hunting like a zoo yeah it's fucking fucked up and then i like there's a lot of nods to the first movie the 87 movie aside from the score but i think they say a couple of the same lines adrian brody there's a couple of the story arcs so i liked it enough i didn't see the last one the one that shane black did yeah i I heard mixed reviews i saw it the movies you know i was kind of excited for shane black I'm a big fan of sure. Um, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang, and you know, obviously, is the movies he wrote. Yeah. Um, not as huge of a fan of like Iron Man three or stuff like that, but you love um, boys. The last Boy Scout. I'm a big fan of Last Boy Scout, and uh, it was you know written or code written by Fred Decker, who we love. Saw ourselves from Fred Decker. Thrill me, Blake. <laughs> so that was you know that was exciting. Yeah. Um, I saw it. Unfortunately, it's not. Uh, I don't know if it was barking up the right uh, tree. Yeah, for a predator movie, um, you know, maybe on repeat viewings, I'll, I'll it'll I'll warm up to. It. I didn't hate it or anything. Yeah, but it's certainly you know the the thing is you know it's the predator series is one of those movies where the first one is just so goddamn good. I know, I know. Well, that's why I I felt like this was getting a raw deal. Yeah. Predator two because people. They had such high expectations, and I think it's an adequate sequel. I mean, it's serving all the... I mean, the, and then last point at the end, I mean, Gary Busey's death is fucking legendary. <laughs> you know, that whole shot, and then you're waiting for him to drop, too. That's why I was thinking later on he's going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like the end of um, 
of <coughs> Day of the Dead, where he's like, get out, choke on it. <coughs> oh, God. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm going to be shot for next week's movie. Uh, apparently, uh, the movie, uh, the making of the movie was pretty tough in L.A., uh, reportedly. No, that the, alley they shot in, the, the, the King Willie scene. They, apparently, they found a dead body underneath <laughs> a bunch of the garbage, and there was a, you know, huge rats running around. Apparently, even though they had permits and stuff to shoot, and everybody knew that they're going to be shooting there, you know, nobody likes to have people shooting all night sure. in their neighborhood. And so, apparently, residents of the places they shot were sh- throwing like feces and piss on the crew yeah from the windows above um so that's always a fun time (laughs) uh sadly peter cullen the voice of optimus prime and the voice of the quarter main trailers and eeyore he didn't come back to reprise his role as the predator's voice in the first movies those roars um hal rail r-a-y-l-e provided the voice for um the predator in this movie and, um, yeah, I think that's pretty, I mean, you know, we bounced around a lot. Uh, I think the production designer, Lawrence Paul, Paul did a great job sure, here. the ship is awesome. Yeah, I mean, come on, I mean, having it be like uh, reptilian and the technological, like having seen that, that kind of a world, and just all the Predator gadgets, him having that, I mean, that freaking disc is badass. The spear is badass. The, uh, the netting when he throws that shit... And, you know, it, not only does it get you against the wall, it contracts and, it, you know, all that, there's all little, his little trickeries are great. I didn't think to look up when, what the dates were, but there's a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, movie, I don't know if I was talking to to you about it or it was online, but um, I Come in Peace with Dolph Lundgren. Oh, yeah, sure. That's also an urban alien. And he's got discs. Yeah. <laughs> that he fires. He's got little CDs that he what's the, <laughs> fires around. What's the movie uh, with freaking... Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, tap dancing. Uh, oh yeah, what is that? Um, you know, what I'm talking about what's his name from um, from uh, um, Gregory Hines. Gregory Gregory Hines. Yeah, what is that movie where it's him? Where it's remember it's the it's the woman is an alien or a robot, and then at the end of it, it's like the I remember the shot is like he's he's on, on the subway tracks and they're like tracking up to him. And he's like. <laughs> You know, like, you know, it's got that shot. Uh, and I remember that movie real fucked up because I've only seen it once where... <laughs> we really need to get a video. Know, so a video you can see what it's doing. <laughs> but there's... I remember the scene where, like, she ends up... The the person starts... The guy forces her to give her a blowjob and she bites the, the member off. And I was like, you know, the child. I'm like, oh, my God. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, rounding up. I, I, I enjoy this movie. Morton Downey Jr., come on. I mean... Deion's Morton Downey Jr.'s number one fan. Yeah, number one, right here. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many of you out there watch the show. I watched the show. Morton Downey Jr.? Yeah. Oh, so did I. Yeah, of course. It was great. Um, it's it's it's, And I wholeheartedly recommend watching, seeing that uh, provocateur documentary because it's it's pretty amazing, the influence you don't realize that he had on it. And then I think he, I bring him up so much because I think he's a decent actor. I mean, he does this perfectly, you know, yeah. I, you know. I mean, he's hamming it up on purpose in that Twilight, that uh, Tales from the Crypt episode. Is well, he acted legendary. on t- his show. Even he was an yeah, actor. Yeah, exactly. He's pull- He's playing a, a role. It was, uh, you know, it was that trash talking that became iconic into the '90s. I mean, you had Ricky Lake, but you had like it took Donahue on steroids with, um, you know, uh, Richard Bay kind of. But then when you get to Jerry Seinfeld, uh, Jerry Springer, <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, Jerry Fr- Once you get to Seinfeld, yeah, that shit's totally oh, yeah. different. 
But he's yeah, it's just amazing. But people who still, it's funny they still air that Al Sharpton clip where he's he's yelling and screaming and he's heavier Al Sharpton, and that's from the Morton Downey show. You can see Morton chain smoking. But uh, Predator Two, Predator Two, nineteen ninety, good movie. Yeah, it's sad that some people. I mean, it made its money back, but some people just don't care for it. And what do you think? Yeah, let us know. Tweet us and let us know what you think of Predator 2 because you might hate it. You might have listened to two hours of a podcast and you're like, this movie (laughs) freaking sucks. You know, Um, you might think like Robocop 2, a lot of people didn't like it, you know, and we do feel like, I mean, I'm sure we'll get the last action hero at some point. At some point. But uh, people hate that movie. That's adamant. People are like, you know, why the hell, you know, that's really when... Arnold Schwarzenegger's career died. Still, he, though, do you think that maybe people have come around on it? Well, I'm worried we're going to go back and watch it. It ain't going to be as good. <laughs> <laughs> That's my fear. Which to I be I, or not to be. Yeah. Oh, so not good. To be. I've killed someone. Yeah, I've shot a gun. Uh, that's not that's not his exact lines, but it's what I remember. Our Carney's last role, for Christ's sakes. Sharon Stone's in there. Danny DeVito's in there. You may even have the T-1000 walk by. So good. I thought that's uh, Ian McKellen as Death from uh, Seven Seal. That's the guy for uh, the guy. Isn't the guy from uh, Yeah uh, Gremlins Two? Yeah, Robert Prosky. Prosky. Yeah, from, yeah. From Darnell Hoffa. and Christine. Yeah, Darnell and Christine. Not to be con- confused with Robert Blossom. Roberts Blossom, who is the guy who sells in the car from Home Alone and uh, uh, Escape from Alcatraz. He cuts his fingers off. You know, spoiler. <laughs> the painter. <laughs> That's all I have. Anyway, anyway. Predator 2, Predator good movie. Two. Yeah. Thanks for sticking around and listening to two Saturday guys. Night Movie Sleepovers. Yeah. Um, um, got uh, a very interesting movie next on the agenda. Yeah, it's a sequel. We're still, even though technically I think Summer of Sequels ended with this movie. Why? What, what, no. Isn't it like September by the time the next one comes out? That's true, yeah, but we're going into a little bit into the September going because into the it's school still, year. Yeah, we're going because technically, sub, sub, I thought summer doesn't end till like the end of September, right? Middle of September, last day of summer, or is Labor Day's last day of summer, right? Uh, who knows? Yeah, but anyway, we got We have a. We have. We have definitely one more summer sequel left, maybe two, because after that, it's our anniversary. And we never know what's going to happen with the anniversary. Yeah, we could have a sequel. We could not have a sequel. Anyway, find us on social media. Please follow us if you listen to the show on Twitter. Facegram, uh, Facegram, <laughs> yeah, Facegram, <laughs> Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, check us out on CL- CLNS Media. Yes, clnsmedia.com. Check us out there part on their of, site. We're part of their uh, their podcasting network. Those fellows. Uh, we're on Apple Podcast, Stitchers, uh, Stitcher. We're on iHeartRadio. Yep. and most other places you find podcasts. Dion Baya has a book called Blood in the Streets, which is available on Amazon. You can get it as a paperback, ebook, and also the audio edition. Not read by me because I'm not a write, uh, writer. <laughs> I'm not an actor <laughs> or audio actor. And, of course, uh, you can check out my book, Scored to Death Conversations, with some of horror's greatest composers on Amazon from other book retailers or from me directly. Also, Dion is offering his book directly from him. At DionBuy.com. Yeah, and you, we'd like to say support your local podcasters right here. Uh, you know, want to support us, buy our book. We're, we were talking about maybe starting a, pay, a Patreon because this would be a perfect example here where we could have went and bought the novelization, but we just don't have the money. We don't have the funds. You know? Yeah, and it's tough. And then it's all the gas money coming back and forth. So I don't know. We'd have to figure out what we would 
what would we'd ask or what we would give for that. But, you know, maybe it's something if you guys would be interested in that because we see people do that all the time. <laughs> so, you know. But uh, check out all my stuff at scoredtodeath.com and uh, at scoredtodeath on the social media. And uh, 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 Cuts from the Crypt. And also check out uh, my show on the Damn Fine Network called Cuts from the Crypt, which uh, is monthly towards the end of the month. Got a pretty good episode coming up. People seem to love my Italian episode part one, which was earlier. (laughs) It was last month. But uh, I love your Italian episodes. And with Halloween right around the corner, it's going to be some fun stuff. Our Halloween? It's Halloween in general. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I thought you meant stuff from Cuts from the Crypt. Talking about our Halloween. Oh, it's going to be a crazy one this year. But uh, Cuts from the Crypt. I mean, Halloween in general is coming out. There's going to be some fun stuff on Cuts from the Crypt, including Saved by the uh, Saved by the Sleepovers. Yeah, it's getting late, folks. Getting late. Anyway, we have a huge, monumental uh, Halloween extravaganza, which you've already yeah we've already planned out. But uh, anyway. As this is always, Jay Blake, and standing next to me is Dion Baya. And you've been listening to Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Later! I walk along the street of sorrow, sorrow, sorrow. The boulevard of broken dreams, broken dreams. Where jiggle, oh, and jiggle, and take a kiss without regret, so they forget the broken dreams. You laugh tonight and cry tomorrow, when you behold your shattered. And jiggle on while jiggling Wake up to find their eyes awake With tears that tell a broken dream Here is where you'll always find me Always walking up and down But I left my heart behind And turn me down The joy you find in You must follow It's never right Somehow it seems For jiggle on and jiggle Somehow they don't They can't forget Trouble about a broken Somehow they know they can't forget the boulevard of